Welcome back to We Got Goosebumps, a podcast dedicated to landmark horror series for children, written by Arl Stein in the 90s. I'm your best friend, Janie, who refuses to return your letters, Dylan. And I am your rage-fueled neighborhood mailman, Travis. Full of rage. These kids plotting, hanging out behind my government establishment that I gotta maintain. And a a fascinating uh, woodworker, too. Made a I love the fact, right? the detail of the fact that, like, he's so into his job that he wants to make every part of it, like, art. Like, he takes the mailbox, makes it a swan. I just I just he, love the dedication. Yeah. Like, it shows the kind of man who would uh, hurt children because they happen to be outside the mail, mail room, <laughs> the post office. We're just outside. Really, I mean, to be fair, we don't know what they did. I'm getting way distracted because today we're talking. You are. I'm just, I, you know, angry mailmen just get me all worked up. Today we have number 10 in the series, The Ghost Next Door, which was released in August of 1993. And sad to say, but this is the last episode of the first season of We Got Goosebumps. Mm. Worried me for a second. You got, you even made your bird sad. Your bird got sad. I know. I mean, this was my decision. Trav wanted to keep on going straight till the end. He was just like, we'll do an episode every week, a book every week. And I was like, hmm, first season, wrapping it up now. Yeah, it takes me like a month to read one of these. We need to space them out a little bit. Oh, okay. Very well, slow. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I did this for you then. Uh, but uh, yeah, I f- forget all this metatextual talking about seasons. When you talk about the book, cover, the interior... But Trav, first, I just want to know, when you were approached by the ghost next door, were you mm-hmm. scared? Were you, like, as a child, I mean, obviously, when you were a child. Sure, like, sure. did you, like, re- react well to the ghost, saying, like, hi, I'm a ghost, my name is blank, I don't know your ghost name, mine was Carl, and he was a 50-year-old man who smelled strongly of alcohol and being unclean and... Uh, I don't, okay, don't want to talk I about it. That sounds that nice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what about your ghost situation? Like, how'd that go? I think I might have known a ghost as a neighbor growing up. There was this uh, kid that lived down the street, but for only like two weeks, it was weird. And I went over to his house. He rode the bus. I went to his house. We played. You know, he had a go-kart. He had some Nintendo. We played. And then like one day he was gone. And, like, a week later after he left, like, he moved out, that house burned down. It was, like, some weird thing where, like, I guess there was, like, an electrical, like, unattended thing. People had moved out, and it burned down. It was, like, four houses down for me. And I'm like, was that even a real kid that I saw? Did I hang out with the real Kevin Gilmore? He had a hair lip, but he seemed sweet. He had a nice go-kart. Did I even ride in a go-kart? I questioned everything. Was I hanging out with a ghost? I don't know. But now that house is also a ghost. Wait, so you do know his name? Yeah, I've looked for him for years. I can't oh, okay. find him. I was just about... To, I, I should have known. Like, the moment you were just like, Kevin Gilmore, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, he's got to have looked him up. I don't know why I was assuming you had... I sure did. That you had just left that lady fallow for the last 20 years. Yeah. What's this guy named again that you murdered as a child and then hit it up as, like... Uh, his name was Kevin Gilmore, and I uh, don't know don't know what happened to him. Uh, I hope that he I hope that he actually moved and didn't die in that house fire. 
But people always told me that, oh, no, he moves before the house burned down. I was like, oh, okay, well, I hope so. So I guess, uh, Kevin, if you're out there listening, not the other Kevin, the Kevin you already know. What if, oh, that's too big of a coincidence, I feel like. You know two Kevins your whole life? Are you sure? (laughs) At most two. I may have known up to three Kevins. Oh. It's it's not an uncommon name. Oh, but okay. yeah, that's that's a good I, point. I'm I sorry. don't think it's this, you know because they look com- they were almost completely different races. Okay, and one one uh, is tall, uh-huh. and the other is um, a child. My or was co- a child. <laughs> one's a oh. child co-host for oh. Uncle Doug's <laughs> DVD. <now. laughs> oh, I thought. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, uh, Kevin Gilmore, if you are out there, uh, please never reach out to Trav. Let your existence live out as a constant mystery. That just Please, looms yeah. over his head. Because I'll tell you, I once looked up something I found mysterious, and I found the answer to it, and I am I am forever disappointed that I did that. Uh, let let the mystery live forever. Like I do. Deathbed, I like that. Just be like, Kevin, I hope you survive that fire. And just die. And like, you'll never know. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. No, I... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the issues I have with modern DNA solving all these cold cases. I think some of them were better cold. I liked ruminating, having my theories. Now all my theories are blown out of the water. I was wrong on all of them. I wanted to at least think I could have been right. I mean, I, as long as you just say, like, I, I'm going to guess it was the closest male person in her life. You're, you're, you're most likely going to be right, whoever that happens to be at the time. You, know, so like you stand a good chance. You're right. You're so, right. You know, just throw that dart. And uh, that's why we don't have a true crime podcast, because that's as much effort as we're willing to put into this, I guess. Yeah, it's hard these days because you have to have, like, empathy and stuff. I just want to tell jokes. Not about dead people. We're going to move along because I feel like we're tangenting into us being awful people. So we're going to we're going to skip one. Travis, I have another question for you. This one is slightly more serious, though. Have you ever died in a fire? (laughs) So far, No. But a it's not for this. lack of trying. I did live near a house that did catch on fire. It could have. No, been no, 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 no. We've already we've already gone past that. We've moved we're, on. We're, we're, we're moving on. We're moving on. Just okay. like Kevin did. Moved on to the next oh. life. Um, oh, so we're. Oh, oh no, oh, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be. We've already talked about ghosts a lot over the course of the podcast because of the yeah. you know dead house and. I sure. feel like they're like going to come back. Hauntings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've talked about our hauntings. We've talked about our, our friends that have died over the years and our disappointments mm-hmm. and sadness and all that. So I think, you know, I, but have you ever had any scary fire instances? Because we have children playing with fire throughout the book. Beginning and You ending. know, not, not personally. Uh, I wasn't really drawn to fire as a lot of my troublemaking friends were. But, I mean, and we... We have we have a lot of episodes. We got seasons to come. We can get more into this. But there is a rumor. I mean, my grandfather died in a house fire, but there's a rumor that he was murdered in a house fire. So that's interesting. And here's a fun thing. They identified his body by like teeth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh but my mom and her sister would always claim that after presumably their father had died and they were very young when it happened, they would receive calls at their home from a strange man who would know a lot about them and ask them how their mom was and then yeah. hang up. And they always suspected that could have been their dad. Or what if a ghost that could use a payphone in the 70s? Or the killer. What if? Or the killer. Didn't even think about that one. Thank you. Very Wait, good. are you serious? You never thought it could be the killer? You know, I didn't think about it a lot until just now. 
Wow. I think we've just blown this case wide. If you ever do do that documentary, because you've talked about this across the Poly Media Network at this point. If if only not everyone in my family other than me were dead, Listen, I could do that documentary. We're coming down. I'm coming. I don't know who we is, but I'm bringing down the whole film crew, which is me. Uh, and we're, <laughs> we're going to go and we're going to find your fa- uh, your grandfather's murderer. Uh, and we're okay. going to go into it with certain conceptions. And if they're wrong, we will make up facts to make it fit. Oh, our yeah. Because that's it's my grandfather. I don't yeah. give a shit how he died. <laughs> Until we get an innocent man hanged. Uh, as long as it's as long as it's fun for us, I don't care what happens. <laughs> Speaking of cover-ups, uh, let's talk about the cover. Oh, right. Oh, that's you, too good of a. You've I been, couldn't. I know. I, I've been learning, dude. Uh, you've been taking my segue seminars, and I've been getting some good results out of those. All right, yeah. Let's get into the cover, man. I. Uh, I'm gonna say out of the gate, this is a this is a Tim Jacobus cover where we've got uh we've got sort of a ghostly set of legs on a welcome mat, uh, a door ajar with a checker floor print, which I think was just, maybe this Beetlejuice's house, maybe uh, somebody answering the door. I mean, we get the sense that it's a kid based on the shoe. Uh, what we're seeing here is a ghost at a door. Uh, I don't. I mean, it tells a story, I guess. I don't really like this cover that much. I'm not afraid to say it, Dylan. It is. Mm. Artistically, it's okay. Yeah. I'll never knock Tim Jacobus's pin work, uh, but it doesn't. Um, it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I guess it's welcoming. It's it's welcoming me into the book, but that's as far as yeah, it gets. I'm not blown away by it. It's not a very. Sometimes I feel like I'm the. Ooh. Uh, I'll bolster any cover for the most part, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you on this one. Like, I, f- I feel like it's well executed for what it is, but it's not very. There's a lot more from the book they could have drawn on, I think. Maybe. Although I think we'll see with the international covers, like there's, you can go too far in that direction. I also don't even like the shade of green that they've like, why is it like this ugly booger green for the ghost next door like i feel like they could have yeah. gone with a different color for not that it needs to be a pretty color but it's just no you're right that is like exorcist girl throw up green mm-hmm. yeah it's it's definitely on the pea soup spectrum somewhere <laughs> yeah it's yeah i mean I, if we i mean i'm kind of feel kind of lackluster talking about that if you want to just skip on to the the remake a redo sure uh well the 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 most different of the remakes is going to be the 2015 version and which is pretty recent and uh, i i'm gonna say this one's worse it's a <laughs> it's a ghostly hand uh reaching toward an evil door knocker uh n- not an evil house or with an evil door knocker in the book uh at all so I'm not real sure what they're trying to to show there. Yeah, the the scary thing about this the 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 ghost is the ghost next door. It's not the house next door. Or the what's going right? Yeah, like it's shifted the focus. Although what's annoying is I really like the ghostly hand. Like I think the ghostly it's hand. A nice but hand. I think that should have just been a regular door knocker. Mm-hmm. And then just have that terrifying ghost hand knocking on the door because then you're just like, oh, what what's going on with this ghostly death hand? Like that's actually a spooky hand. And I think they dropped the ball with also the. The cottony title. That's yeah. the nice. That's the nice phrase for what I. Would. Cottony, cottony, like you know, it's white and but it's also uh-huh. drippy, soft, yeah. white and dr- oh, yeah. I'm sure, you doing let's with say, your cotton? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm just trying to think of other things that it could be that's not. Oh, I usual. see. You're trying to skirt yogurt. around yogurt, maybe mm. like a title written in gooey, drippy yogurt. Just Elmer's gloom, maybe glue. Yeah, like glue bumps. It's actually glue bumps. Hey, speaking of bubbly, hot glue, uh, the UK added again. We got bubbles. We've got. <sighs> She uh, looks. She looks like she's trapped in the stupid sitcom BS trope of like I put too much soap in my my washing machine. Have you ever done that, by the way? Have you ever put too much soap in a washing machine and it's resulted in so many bubbles that it overflows onto the floor and fills your whole laundry room? Because that happens know, in movies but it's- a lot. In college, one of my roommates put just regular dish soap in the dishwasher, and that was not fun. Oh. There were bubbles, like, knee-high across the entire bottom floor of our townhouse. Was was your roommate the uh, the illustrator for the UK Goosebumps covers, and that's how they got their <laughs> ideas for all of these? Because... Might have been. Yeah, there's not really not even much to say about this. There's nothing really ghostly about it. It's just a girl going, huh uh, standing in the middle of what we assume are suds. And not to get too spoilery, um, but she's also very fire-themed. She's wearing an orange shirt. She's surrounded by flames. Mm. Her hair is in the form of flames. So, kind of a spoiler for the end of the book. Kind of a spoiler. You are right. And then we've got... Man, you gotta love it when the Dutch get involved. we got our regular old blonde-headed white kids around the neighborhood uh, being hugged by, by a spook. ghost. By spooked. Spooky ghost. It's pretty good. I like this one. This is pretty good. I'm not sure what the boy's trying to do. He's like, say, like, say no to the hand or something. She's she's a little off put, but dang, it's pretty scary. These these children are definitely being led on an adventure with their ghost pal spooked. And they don't they don't want it, actually. They don't want this adventure. They look more like annoyed and nervous, like do we really have to meet your grandma? Yes. And just like they no, do. I don't I don't want to meet your grandma, spooked. Like, we don't even want to meet you. It's like, yes. But that, that's that's my reading on our yeah. disappointing Eastern European children cover. I know. The Dutch usually bring it home. And I must say, I like, I like that one okay. I do. That, that's, that's probably my favorite of the covers we've seen so far. Uh, Dutch has a second version of just a, a, a ghost smoking up out of a what I looks like a house photograph. I actually like the look of that house. I... I'm, I don't even want to talk about this cover. Moving on. It's it's so... Okay. It's the most generic... It, it looks like if you went to get a knockoff Goosebumps book from another country, <laughs> this would be that knockoff Goosebumps book. Like, it's... Right. It's, so, it's wish.com Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Order 500 copies for 99 cents of this one book from Eastern Europe's Kippenwald series. Uh, very similar mm, very to nice. Goosebumps. Well done. I'm sure our uh, our European friends will uh, will say you did a good job with that accent. And then we got the French coming in hot. More more cover spoilers. This yeah. Okay, again a double spoiler for the end of the book, which deals with fire, and it begins with fire. So I don't hate it though. It's weird enough that it doesn't actually give away anything about the plot, which technically is also a problem that doesn't really tell you much about the plot. But, like, I feel I feel like they did a good job with what they had. I think that was the problem with the, the American covers. Like, what am I going to draw on here that's not going to immediately give away the ending to the book or what you're, you're seeing? That's, like, 
This does it, sort of. This is my favorite. I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, yes. it does look like the name of the book has something to do with crosses being burned in Mississippi, but it does leverage the the shadowy figure with the beady red eyes and the fire, so it, it's oh. pulling from some inspiration. Uh, yeah, I do see what you're... You know, although now it looks kind of like an elf to me, or a gnome. Like, the two little points on the side are the ears, and then the top <laughs> point is, like, his little gnome hat. It, it is actually the Travelocity gnome who's apparently an mm. arsonist and setting fire everywhere he goes. Hey, man, speaking of arson, the Japanese, we have uh, a young a young man standing right in the middle of a burning house. This is giving away most of the end of the book. I mean, if you're reading the book after you've seen that cover, you've got to be like, all right, I know a house catches on fire at some point. Like, you're just kind of waiting on the cover to come around. I feel like this does no favors to the first 20 chapters of the book being interesting at all. You're just waiting for a house fire. Yeah, or wondering what happened to the first house fire. Like, is this is this talking yeah. about? No, we can't be talking about that one. I mean, this is probably the best cover in terms of, like, being evocative and interesting. The problem is if you've read the story, you know, like, oh, this is misleading. Yeah. The Indonesians finally making... Uh, making a, a, a turn at the spotlight here on the old We Got Goosebumps podcast. Boy, they got they got something going on over there. They got a fence with a smiley face carved into it. Looks kind of like a jack-o'-lantern on a fence, right? A lot of grayscale going on. And then I'm going to say, uh, I, maybe it was intended to be a, a smoke or something come out of there, but I, I swear to God, it looks like pigtails. A girl's pigtails coming up out of the eye holes and, uh, and through the fence. Um, I don't get it. Neither... Neither do I. Unless they, they watch a lot of home improvement and they're like, oh, next door in America means like Wilson, who hides his face behind a fence. Maybe that's how ghosts work next door, too. Like they just, wow, that was a deep pull. I'm sorry that I reached Dude, What if Wilson like was a ghost? That's got to be a fan theory. <laughs> He's been dead this whole time. There was one episode, by the way, where all the actors came out front and waved to the cameras. The guy who plays Wilson came out with this tiny handheld sized fence. To cover his face as he waved to the audience. It was adorable. My God. He freaking burger champed it. Shout mm-hmm. out to our boy. Uh, and then we got uh, the Korean cover. Again, spoiling. But I'm not going to say spoiling too much because you can't really make out who that is. No. I'm... Also, I just realized that the there's two ghost faces. There's kind of the child ghost face, but then it's like they were wearing a ghost face as a mask or something and they peeled it off. Like, do you see Which that second happens, face? right? Yeah. That happens in the oh, book. She pe- that's right. You're yeah. right. I didn't so think I'm, of that very literally, but yeah, that is a very literal. Yeah. So I, I kind of like it. I'm going to say the Koreans, once again, taking the top spot for me. Dutch in a close second. I'm going to throw the French in third. And Tim Jacobus, very rarely falling out of the top three. But today, Timmy, I just didn't care too much for that. It's uh, I love the style, but I'll, I'll say I'm going to go for the Dutch in first just because I don't, I don't even think it's the best. But I have the most enjoyment picturing because I don't know what that situation is, but it definitely does not look <laughs> like anything from the book. And for some reason, that makes me happy. It's just like, is this like a post credit sequence where they're all friends? And it's just like, here's Danny's ghost and here's Danny and here's uh, Hannah. Um <sighs> Spoilers, oh, uh, but man. it's like, oh, guys, we can all hang out, and then just like uh, spooked. No, nine dispooked. 
Um, Folks, if you uh, if you'd like to see the covers we're seeing, you can always look down to the show notes. We put a link there. You can scroll down to international releases and enjoy them for yourself. And uh, if you would like to hear Dylan do more accents, uh, just DM him and he'll send you some uh, MP3s. Is, is that what I'm that's doing? That's something now? you can do. I'm, you already have me sending out like video files but that's something else that's for something else um <laughs> that's different that's different no, right sorry 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 <laughs> all right well let's uh let's crack open the cover and let's get into the meat of the business this by the way is a traumatic way to start your book as a child i don't know if you as a child was scared of fire but fire was always like as a kid like the thing that could kill you in your home while you sleep. Like, fire was always like a boogeyman when I was a kid. But, uh, we, we start off with our hero, Hannah. This is, I always want to say, like, this is tedious anyway, but, like, this is not a first-person book. We're, we're on the outside looking in onto Hannah. But she wakes up in the middle of the night surrounded by flames, which is never a good sign. I don't think there's ever a good... No. Unless you, like, you didn't believe in an afterlife, and then you died, and then you woke up, and you're like, flames? Well, I guess I'm still around. That sucks, but, you know, so that, that might be, a, like, a, a positive <laughs> moment to wake up to flames. But in, in this case, if you're a 12-year-old girl being surrounded by flames, uh, not so much fun. But luckily, we don't have to wait for the whole end of the chapter. She wakes up, realizes that there's no flames, and it's still the beginning of the chapter. She just had a bad dream. We don't even have a cliffhanger. She's just like, right. But what's what's kind of nice, and I don't know if you've had this too, when you wake up from a really bad dream and you're just like, "Oh, it was mm-hmm. fake! Thank God, I didn't, I didn't yeah. do that horrible thing that I dreamt that I did." That's usually what ends up happening, where I'm like, "Oh no, did I really cheat on that test when I was a kid? Did I really?" Kill there's that usually child? some point in the dream where I question it, where I'm like, "Man, this is really terrible. Is this a dream?" And then I start thinking, I'm like, you're a, you're a stupid dream. And then I kind of wake myself up angry. I'm like, how dare me dream that? <laughs> I, I wish I could be that self-aware in my dreams. And I'll just ride the whole thing out and wake up and be like, why did I do this to myself? But I killed my entire family. <laughs> again, every night for the last 20 years. Uh, but normal. She's relieved. She wakes up happy-ish, although she remembers that she's it's summer. It's a boring summer. All of her friends have gone away to camp. We're in the, the little, I'm assuming a super shady town because all, because there's ghosts here, but Greenwood Falls. There's no cops and dogs here though, so we're okay. Right. They've been living here for a while also, so we're also good. She has, uh, possibly the, the worst twin brothers in any of these books. Like they are literally are just agents of chaos who are Bill and, and Herb, who are six years old <laughs> twin brothers. Herb? Herb. Yeah. Uh, and they're, the noisiest nuisances, as R.L. Stein describes it. And literally, they, they have no personality. Throughout the entire book, it's just, they've destroyed something. They're really annoying. Like, they're not really characters so much as they're kind of like the family dog in this book, where it's just like, I don't know, where did the twins get up to? Burn yeah, they're barely else? mentioned, really. There's only mentioned a couple times. I was wondering the whole time, I was like, well, them being twins, there has to be something to that. He'll, he'll use that. But he doesn't really ever do it. No, I, I think it's more just to, that you just really feel bad at the end of the book. But uh, she's 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 kind of rolling with it. Like, you know, the twins are being obnoxious. There's a whole pulp conversation, which I'm, I don't know about you, but like, 
I like a lot of pulp in my orange juice. Like I, I do. I, do. Yeah. But I also don't like oranges that much. So I kind of want something between an orange and just a glass of orange juice. And for me, that is an extremely pulpy glass of orange juice. The twins, dude, I'm with you. Are we've never overlapped so hard? I will. I will stand for pulp. <laughs> I want to chew my drinks unless it's milk, in which case that's upsetting. But milk with like, pulp is bad. Not, it is never ideal <laughs> unless you're. I don't know, going for that. <coughs> oh, my dad drank a lot of buttermilk just out of the jug. Like, that's Ugh. basically milk with pulp. I've done that once because there's so many books that I read as a child where, like, I feel like, especially like Laura Ingalls Wilder did this all the time where he's like, Paul went down to the dairy and he got himself a big old glass of refreshing buttermilk and chugged it down. And he was like, boy, <laughs> nothing better on a hot summer day than a big cold <laughs> glass of buttermilk. So I was like, you know what? I'm stupid and gullible. I'll do anything a book tells me to do. And uh, I, I took a shot glass because I'm not a complete fool. Uh-huh. Filled the shot glass with buttermilk once. I get buttermilk occasionally to make biscuits and stuff. It's good for sure, sure. Dose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I took a took a shot of buttermilk and almost threw the glass against the wall. I was so angry. Mm. It is disgusting. Mm. It is just drinking sour milk. It is sour. Milk. It's yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. If someone let it go a little too hard and then try to market it, and we bought into it. God, I'm so angry. But. Neither here nor there, because she's not drinking. She she even does, like, smart things, although she winds up the twins, because they're just like, oh, how is that pulpy orange juice? She doesn't even read the label. She literally says, this is basically nothing but pulp. It is, like, compressed pulp. There's no, new, like, juice in this. If you took all the juice and just left a container of pulp compressed into a carton, that is what we have for you to drink today. And the twins are upset because <laughs> they don't like pulp. But then she's just like, here's some milk, here's some apple juice, one of the twins spills the apple juice all over himself she's just like whatever it's a beautiful day out i'm sad i didn't get to go to summer camp mom's like we're poor she's like i understand it's a great family so far except for the twins but even they're not putting a damper on anyone's mood she's looking out the when she describes the sun i'm in i'm just in like summer day blue skies no clouds oh she she gets we've been having some crummy weather here i wanted Mm. what she was having so bad and you like you like the summer too, like even but even for me, where I am a lizard, like the sun's been setting at you know two o'clock in the afternoon up here, so it's <laughs> it's not been the most fun. But uh, so she's bike riding, gorgeous summer day, and then someone says like, "Hey, look out!" Which is usually a good sign uh, that uh, we're about to hit a cliffhanger, and she uh, gets hit from behind. It takes a fall. Dun dun dun. <gasps> yes, turns out. A kid ran into her on his bike, ran right into her like a loser. And he says, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. Despite the fact, and this was mentioned in the first chapter when she was picking out her pretty day get up, she made sure to pick bright colors. So in her mind, she's like, dude, I'm so visible. I look like a crossing guard. How could you have possibly hit me with your bike in this glowy get up I'm wearing? Uh, they get to, they get to chat and she's not too bent out of shape about it. Um, they get to chat and he says, uh, yeah, I live next door. And she's like, what, that house right there? That house right there that I'm pointing at that we're both looking at that I can see from here. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, nah, dude, that house has been empty since the last family moved, the old Dotson family. And, uh, she, she even goes on to say like, I was playing outside yesterday with the twins and uh, that house was definitely empty then. I always keep tabs on it. Whenever I'm outside, I make sure to shoot a glance over to the old Dotson house, make sure no one lives there. 
And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. That's where I live. And he actually says his name is Danny Anderson. He's a ripe 12 years old, the same age as Hannah. Don't ever say and- ripe. Don't. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't call children ripe. Ever. <laughs> just wanted to see if you were paying attention. I am listening to you, sir. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he he reiterates, he's like, I've been your neighbor for, I'm 12, I've been your neighbor for a hot minute. And she can't believe it. She's like, no, no, no. I, I would have seen you before, we're neighbors, I would have seen you at school, I would know you. You're not my neighbor. Uh, you've not lived there as long as you say you have. And then uh, suddenly, one of those little uh, noisy nuisances, uh, one of her twin brothers, Bill, yells for, Hey, Hannah! Off the porch. You know, she's still outside. He yells to her off the porch. Hey, Hannah! Herb took the gay boy. We'll give it back. As as if she's supposed to do something about it. And she's like, just tell mom. She'll get it for you. Ugh. And then she turns back around to continue her conversation with this Danny character who asserts that he's her neighbor but uh thing is danny is gone he vanished into thin air what dum 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 but this is kind of one of those cliffhangers that's like i'll just file that away for later and she's decides to you know write a letter to her friend janie as you do I don't know about you as a child. I was terrible at writing letters, so I would have been more like Janie, to be honest, and never written her back. Uh, yeah. Even without spoilers. Here, here's the thing that we can not get into now, but the only letters I wrote as a kid, my mom and I both wrote a guy that was on death row that my mom thought was innocent. I got to write him, too. I was like 10. I wrote that guy for years. How? how I, I feel like I knew this. But it's still coming across to me as like, what happened? There has to be a wrap up to this story, right? Like, is he dead? Did he like, well, was he my, innocent? My, my mom died and then he didn't, I never, he's not getting my address. So I didn't continue to write him. I would write and attach my piece to his, he likes sports and I like sports. And that was okay. the thing. We so would always write about sports. Your your mom was like, here, you cover the sports section of Basically, the, yeah. the, the Terry family letter to uh, Big Bill Razor, uh, the slaughterer yeah. of San Fresno. He, um, you know what? Fun fact, He and I'm not going to drop his name, but he had his own Unsolved Mysteries episode. So oh. there is a lot of, there's some mystique about his guilt. And he's the longest serving death row inmate in Florida history. So now you can Google him, but like there's a, there's just, a reason for suspicion. Can you, can you send me like his name off air? Like we'll, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. this later. Cause now I'm fascinated. Even though I know, I think he's still alive. Before. He's up there though. He's, he's gotta be approaching 80. That's, that is beyond elderly. If you're on death row, like, and you've been there for That's, a while. He, he's basically might as well be Methuselah. He's just like, but don't to say that, <laughs> Well, I was just to say, that's the only guy I wrote. Which is a guy that probably would kill me if he saw me. I did a couple of pen pal things throughout my time. And I did some like pen pal emails when I was in German class in, in high school. Um, which I feel like don't count as much. As, as wonderful as the World Wide Web is. Like, Are you saying Germans don't count? Is that what uh, I'm hearing you say? Unless their name was Weyer. Uh But uh, hmm. I don't Well played. I'm just not a very good letter writer person. Because I'm very lazy. But, but Hannah's not lazy. Hannah's nice. She writes to her friend Janie and only guilt trips like six or seven times throughout this letter. But uh, no, I'll just read you a little sample about how Hannah oh, yeah. really breaks down what, what Hannah's been up to this summer and what 
her friend Janie's been up to. <clears throat> I'd love to hear the letter. Who's going? Would. Dear Janie, I hope you're having a good time at camp, but not too good, because you broke your promise. You said you'd write to me every day, and so far I haven't even received a crummy postcard. I'm so bored. I don't know what to do. You can't imagine how little there is to do in Greenwood Falls when no one is around. It's really like death. I watch TV, and I read a lot. Do you believe I've read all the books on our summer reading list? Dad promised to take us all camping in Miller Woods. Big thrill. But he's been working just about every weekend, so I don't think he will. Boring. Last night I was so bored, I marched the twins outside and built a little campfire behind the garage and pretended we were away at camp and told them a bunch of scary ghost stories. The boys wouldn't admit it, of course, but I could see they enjoyed it. But you know how ghost stories freak me out? I started seeing weird shadows and things moving behind the trees. It was really kind of hilarious, I guess. I totally scared myself. Don't laugh, Janie. You don't like ghost stories either. My only other news is that a new boy moved into the Dotson's old house next door. His name is Danny, and he's our age. He has red hair and freckles, and he's kind of cute, I think. I've only seen him once. Maybe I'll have more to report about him later. But now it's your turn to write. Come on, Janie. You promised. Have you met any cute guys at camp? Is that why you're too busy to write to me? If I don't hear from you, I hope you get poison ivy all over your body, especially in places where you can't scratch. Love, Hannah. Also, that's... <laughs> That's BS, because I am highly allergic to poison ivy, and I often got poison ivy in places you can't scratch. And that is a mean thing to promise to someone. Ooh, man, I used to rub it on places I couldn't scratch because I couldn't get it just to tease people. Be like, Look at me. I put the itchy juice all over my nether bits, and I'm not even going to feel the ill effects of it. Even if I do, you know what? I love touching myself there. I, but, mm. you, you know, uh, reading, reading back, hearing that back after knowing the rest of the story uh, is kind of weird. Because I didn't pick up on a lot of those subtle hints that R.L. Stein was dropping, not so subtly in all caps. I, I would I would say, uh, even as someone who did know the twist at the end, uh, the first twist at the end, uh, I still didn't pick up on some of those things. Partly because I was listening to an audiobook, but um, no, yeah, definitely some of this comes back later. There's a lot of seeds that have been set in this one letter. Uh, but you know what? I don't, I don't see them now, so we're just going to move her along. Because so Hannah, she's like, what do you do with a letter? Obviously, you go into your Outlook inbox, you hit send, it gets to the person. <laughs> Don't be so... Kids, this isn't actually before email. This is... Email was a thing at this time, because I, I remember them. But she's going to have to mail this in an envelope with a stamp mm. on the front. Mm-hmm. So she's going to go down to the post office to, to kill some time and also to, to mail a letter. And... uh she even like sees her her neighbor uh, Mrs. Quilty, and she's just like, "Hey, Mrs. Quilty," as you you, you got to do when you walk past the neighbor that you see. Uh, Miss Quilty is she doesn't even say hi to her. She probably just forgot her hearing aid or something. Like she's an older lady, probably can't hear as good. And uh, but by the time she gets to the post office, she hears she is yelling and shouting on the back, and she's she's a child. She's like, I hear shouting and a dirty alleyway behind the post office i'm going to go investigate and she she starts to go back to the alley but then she hears a shrill yip of pain and you know what we didn't realize there hasn't been a dog yet in this book are we about to meet a dog bum 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 (gasps) oh i hope it's a dog wait i hope it's not a dog i don't want a dog to be in pain uh well let's see well behind the post office which is where all the fun happens uh hannah happens to see three boys and oh guess what a dog indeed a dog 
Yep. And a one Mr. Chesney. You know, if you're at home and you're picturing uh, country music star Kenny Chesney, I'll allow it. I think that fits. Uh, Kenny Chesney, the postmaster. And one of the boys so happens to be Danny, the mysterious neighbor she met earlier that she didn't know was her neighbor. And um, he's a little upset because Mr. Kenny Chesney threw a rock at his dog, Rusty. Now, adults don't throw rocks at dogs. What are you doing, Kenny Chesney? That's mm-hmm. that's a foul move, man. Uh, I understand that the kids, maybe the dog, are giving you some guff, but you don't throw rocks at the dog. You throw rocks at the kids, dude. Yeah. I, wait. Hit what? a kid. Yeah. Don't hurt a dog. Oh, oh that, yeah. I, hmm. I, yeah, I feel like right? No? I, I feel like the, this isn't an either-or proposition. I think this is okay. a, you just don't throw rocks. Uh, oh, actually. okay. I was trying yeah, to take yeah. the high road and missed, missed completely. Okay. All right. Well, don't mm-hmm. throw rocks, Mr. Chesney. And he mm-hmm. reminds them, he's like, listen, you guys are on government property and you need to leave. And, this kind uh, of they, insufferable attitude from a postal office employee is not something I would expect, to be honest with you. I know. I, pfft, you never see it coming. And they start threatening each other, and the, the boys are like, yeah, well, I'll ch- we'll tell our dads, and we'll lodge a formal complaint, you know, and just your regular old stuff. We'll sue. Uh, not even real sure how this started. I don't know if we ever learned, but um, Mr. Chesney... He uh, he's fuming, fuming hot, mad, and he just walks past Anna, doesn't acknowledge her, just huffing and puffing. Ugh. And he, you know what? He's known for being rude to kids, specifically when one they loiter on the government property he maintains. He's not a huge fan of that. He also doesn't like it when they try to spray paint his windows as some kind of weird trick. It's a bunch of hooligans trying to spray paint his windows, and uh, you know what? He doesn't like that. And I don't blame him, Dylan. No, I neither think he's do in I. the right. I, I feel like a lot of this time, I'm just like, Mr. Chesney, we don't know why he was throwing rocks at the dogs slash children. But uh, every other instance that Mr. Chesney is being a jerk is seems like, sounds like he's defending his actual property. And considering what yeah. happens to Mr. Chesney's house at the end of this, I feel like maybe warranted. But we're just gonna... Yeah, 100%. I mean, 100%. Uh, so... They, uh, the boys leave. They leave, uh, the post office. Mr. Chesney goes back to his, his ordeal. And, uh, Hannah searches around for Danny and those other boys. She doesn't find them. She's like, she didn't know where they went off to. They split, they split out. Uh, so she's, she even says, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go home and, and watch General Hospital. Very, very 90s sentence that my mother might have uttered. Uh, but Hannah says, Travis. I'm going to go watch some General Hospital. Travis. Hmm? You're telling me you didn't watch any daytime soaps during the summer. I didn't. No, I we I watched trash TV with my mom. We were a Sally Jesse Raphael tag team. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Donahue. When the when the soaps came on, she wouldn't let me watch. She thought that was too gross. She was like, "No, that's this stuff's grody. We need to let's see if there's let's see if Donahue's on. Let's see if he's got teen moms <laughs> who also kill cats today." I feel like I guess we're we're all lucky that you didn't get a burning desire to watch daytime soaps and make a podcast about them uh, now to mm. recapture your childhood. Instead, um, you won't. I would not. Songs. Although, give me ideas. I totally would do like a General Hospital podcast with you. Just why not? Just to see what from it was like. Could be fun, right? I think we- it went from like the fifties, so we'd have like so much content. Guys, check out We Got Hospital coming up, <laughs> coming up after, after this. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but anyway, Hannah, on her way back uh, to her house, she encounters a tall, slender, shadowy figure that steps out from behind a tree, or maybe it floats out from behind a tree, and beckons her. And I'm imagining with like long, like kind of looking like the Grim Reaper, but in a more floaty form, and beckons her with this inhuman whisper, Hannah. Come here. Arms as bony as twigs, she says. And naturally, fearing that, she runs, books it. Bum, 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 chapter five. What she doesn't understand is this is spooked. Her friendly neighborhood spooked. Who's going to help her and go on wild adventures with her? All right, a Dutch ghost. (sighs) Goodbye, spooked. We'll see him later, though. So... (laughs) <laughs> Hannah stops running, and I feel like this is kind of a, a common occurrence that's happened in a couple of the Bumps books at this point. Child sees a scary thing, child books it, child turns around. Spooky thing's nowhere to be seen. I guess it was nothing but spook. So she realizes she was probably just imagining it, because there's only a couple weird things that have happened. Danny disappeared, neighbors moved in next door, whatever. But she gets, she gets home. They're having dinner with the folks. She says, Dad. She's like, hey, Dad, some new people moved in next door and like moved into the Dotson house. And the dad registers like an emotion. He's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Which is weird, right? And For a Goosebumps dad, Goosebumps dads are usually like, get out of here. I hate you. Stop telling stories. And then, yeah, I, it's. I feel like, again, R.L. Stein is just like, I, I can't badmouth the mom. I feel like that's what it is. Like, if, if his wife ever read the book and she's like, why is the mom being so absentee? The, the mom <laughs> in this book isn't cleaning up everything and doing all the household chores while the dad is just slaving away in the basement, quote unquote. He's like, <laughs> uh, so I think that's why the dad gets a lot of pot shots in the books, to be honest. Mm, it's like, could be. Like, when has the dad ever been the good character in the family, actually. Now that we're really thinking about it, when has the dad ever been the present parent? Nah, not really. I mean, nah. Even the one dad we've seen who is present, which is Sari's dad, the uncle, he's a terrible parent. He's awful. Right. He's terrible. He lets his child perform terrible pranks in the middle of an Egyptian tomb and thinks it's hilarious. Anyway, moving on. Dads are bad in all these books. The dad kind of registers something, but then one of the twins, see, this is what the twins are there for. They're to distract parents from noticing terrible things that are happening. Although what happens is, it sounds awful, actually, because the twin falls over backwards in his chair. I'm guessing he's just, like, doing the balancing yeah. thing, as you do, and cracks his head on the linoleum. And when I heard that, Rough. I was just like, So they've got to deal with this situation. There's probably blood everywhere, except they're ghosts. Mm-hmm. Oh. They may be ghosts. We they don't might know. be ghosts. They could be ghosts, theoretically. Yeah. So knows? anyway, the, the, the twin is like, ah, I cracked my head open. I might be dead. Uh, and she's just goes to her room because she knows there's, there's nothing more to be said here, but she sees Danny tossing a tennis ball outside, not in her bedroom, but he's tossing a tennis ball. Who was against the garage wall? That's yeah. Kind of common it, thing it, it makes a thock noise because that sound that onomatopoeia is repeated about a hundred times in that chapter. Thock. It is unnerving to listen to actually like like hearing <laughs> a reader say that because it's just like they keep saying this conversation that's getting a little more unnerving as it progresses and you just hear fuck and then like fuck and then fuck <laughs> and like the whole time H- hannah's just like wait you don't know any of my friends that's weird i don't know any of your friends fuck fuck like it's actually kind of an effective like 
because it's it's kind of distracting. So like Hannah's kind of figuring something out, and then like Danny like does another, but we don't hear a thock after it because he he, he overshoots mm. it because children throwing badly is also another trope in these books, and it uh, goes on to the, the garage roof. And Danny apparently has done this enough time. He's like, I'm going to go up the ladder. Uh, but he goes into the shadows. And for a second, she's like, I can't see him. Like, he's almost like he's gone. And she starts to think like, oh, Danny disappeared. He never moved in. Like, I, we never saw him move in. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen someone move into your neighborhood. But you know when someone moves in next door. Like, that's just oh, yeah. a given. There's trucks uh, and whatnot. Boxes. But uh, she people. starts to think. What if he's a ghost? Jump there quick, I think. Given it's the, chapter five. It's chapter five. Like, you know. Sure, got- but just given the data she has, I mean, I understand we needed to get there, but I was like, I don't know if I'd have jumped there that quick, but okay, we're here. Good. She has she has also seen that supernatural thing where even though she was like, Mr. Spooked can't be real, like that's still kind of a, a weird thing on top of a weird thing. But uh anyway, sure. I, I agree. Sure. It's a little early, but you know, we we only have 16 more chapters to go. But Hannah has like a, a premonition and she's like, he's something bad's going to happen. He's going to like something bad's going to happen. If he goes on that roof, and Danny's like, listen, pretty hot shit around there. I can, I can climb up that roof. I can do a little dance on the trellis. We'll be fine. He gets up there. He's doing fine. It says he's a good climber, but like, boy, you've got a ladder. Like, it's kind of yeah. easy to be a, a good climber if you go up a ladder. Although I'm was made for ladders, that. So yeah, I don't want to. Um, I say the ladder the, really evens the playing field on climbing abilities. Yeah, like if if you can't do the ladder stuff, then you're not allowed to call yourself a good climber. But you still can't call yourself a good climber if you can go up the ladder. Like, you gotta. I'm go agreeing with you. Yeah. you. Use your elbows. You know, that's a good <laughs> now that's a good climber yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh but uh he shows is a, a good climber but not such a good hanger honor and uh takes a tumble and not only takes a tumble but it is going head first towards the ground <gasps> bum, bum, bum. i don't know why i changed the, the pitch i liked it I'm sorry. no that was good it was nice singing song to you uh sure. well certainly he's gonna land and break his freaking neck and now he's gonna be a ghost he's gonna be uh headless uh headless danny the uh next door ghost but nope he lands on his feet like a cat like a cat probably lands and goes Hurrah! look at me i'm the great danny and he even tells her his nickname is danny daredevil anderson Old DDA, Danny Daredevil Anderson, which has a nice ring to it. Uh, Hannah is not happy about this. She's like, dude, that was that scared the bejesus out of me. Why would you do that? What if you had broken your neck? What did you want me to do about it? Like, don't don't do stuff like that. And then he's he says, A magic. Come on. And uh to Hannah, this is kind of like, all right, well, uh I guess he's got he, I don't know. Maybe that seems ghostly. He admitted that he's magic and can flip off of uh, houses. Maybe that's another check mark for her on the old he's supernatural. But at that moment, she's kind of interrupted by this whole thing because she realizes she has to go watch her friggin' twin brothers uh, now uh, for her mom. So she has to leave. She has to leave Danny behind. Danny continues to throw this ball off the wall now that he's gotten it back, just thawking away, thickety thock thock. And Hannah comes inside and is like, "Hey, did you see that?" Um. Well, she, maybe she asked her. I can't remember how it actually went, but she's, you know, what were you doing outside? She's like, yeah, I was playing with the, the boy next door. Did you see him? She's like, I didn't see a boy. So there's another check mark. Mama didn't see this guy. Maybe, he, okay, seems ghostly. Um, 
Hannah realized that, and I'm going to read from the book now, Hannah realized she had never actually seen anyone inside the house. She had never seen Danny go into the house or come out of it. She had never seen anyone come out of the house. Hannah stepped back from the window, thinking hard. She remembered the morning she had met Danny, after he had run her down in the backyard. She had been talking to him, and he had vanished into thin air. She thought about how he had seemed to disappear into the shadow at the side of his house, how she had to squint real hard to see him, and she thought about how he had seemed to float to the ground, landing silently from the roof. Silent as a ghost. Hannah, what are you thinking? She scolded herself. Am I making up another ghost story? She suddenly had so many questions running through her mind. How had Danny and his family moved in without her noticing? How could he be in her school, in her grade, without her ever seeing him there? How come she didn't know his friends and he didn't know hers? It's all so weird, Hannah thought. I'm not imagining it at all. I'm not making it up. What if Danny really is a ghost? If only she had someone to talk to, someone to discuss Danny with. But her friends were all away. And her parents would certainly never listen to such a crazy idea. I'll have to prove it myself, Hannah decided. I'll study him. I'll be scientific. I'll observe him. I'll spy on him. Yes, I'll spy on him. And so, she. This is. I'm back now. She goes out through Danny's yard, right up to his back stoop, peers through the kitchen. Now, before I finish this, I do want to say this has. This has. Uh, uh, this reminds me of the the girl who um, who cried monster a little bit, just wanting to spy on people to to prove a thing. Uh, but she goes up to the back stoop, peers through the window, looks through the kitchen, and <gasps> gasps. Uh oh! Bum, 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 wow! Wow! Chapter seven. Take it away. To be honest, this is terrifying to me too. Because if I was spying on someone. The last thing I'd want to see is them staring back at me through the window, <laughs> getting caught. Like, uh-uh. So, she's looking through the window. Danny's looking back at her. But luckily, he's pretty chill about it. Because he comes out on the porch, laughing, like, basically laughing. He's not laughing, laughing, but he's smiling at her. And he's like, want to come in? And then she just, like, books it because she's so embarrassed. Which, to be fair, that would have been me. I would have, I mean, I wouldn't even last long enough for him to step out on the porch. I would have been booked. I would have already been gone. There would have been a whole smoke trail. Just there's a beat feet. But, uh, <laughs> she's gonna, she's, she's gonna just get it back together, resort her things, like just resort her strategy for the next day. Play it cool. Play it cool. Gotta be cool. Gotta be cool. She's gonna, she's gonna follow him around on her bike, which. <laughs> Play it cool. Let's trail him through town. I, I hope she's still wearing her day glow, hot pink, hot orange, <laughs> neon green clothes while she's doing this too. But, uh, she's, while she's doing this, she's like, oh man, if Janie were here, this would have been great. We could have like, you know, she could, she could meet up on my head. I could drop off and she could pick up the trail. They would have a whole strategy just laid out to, to follow this kid around town. Uh, and then immediately she loses Danny because she's think, too busy thinking about Janie. Like, you got to keep your head, like, keep your <laughs> mind in the on game. the prize. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it in the game. So, like, she loses track of him in town and she gives up, I guess. Like, she has nothing better to do. You think she'd, I'll, I'll try and pick up the Senate. And she's like, no, I'm going to go home. Like, all right. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I think Hannah, the reason why you're having a boring summer is not because of the summer, but because of Hannah. I'm it's saying. a lack of effort, Hannah. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of effort. If you're going to stalk somebody, you got to really get down in there and mm-hmm. search for them. Oh, yeah. She, 
Oh, he's not in one of the three places I know to check in town, so home we go. So she's she's heading home, and she sees the spooked, who's lurking again, this mysterious spooked, hiding behind the trees. This Look Dutch ghost, you're, you've established in, in the canon that it's a Dutch, <laughs> it's, Dutch it's, ghost. It's, not only is it a Dutch ghost, my friend, this is not some nightmare creature. This is spooked! So spooked, spooked is... Is is watching her from behind a tree, and she's like, "I don't want any of this business." And so she's, "I'm on a bike. I'm gonna go fast." So she books it, and uh, that's when she learns that uh, Spooked don't got no legs and is just gliding along Oof. with her. But uh, so here's here's the the her Spooked as he's as he's coming up on on Hannah. The dark figure floated silently over the grass toward her. Hannah pedaled harder. It's back. I didn't imagine it. It's real. But what can it be? Standing up, she pedaled harder, harder. But the figure glided along with her, picking up speed, floating effortlessly. She turned to see its arms stretch toward her. She gasped in terror. Her legs suddenly felt as if they weighed a thousand pounds. I, I can't move, she thought. The shadow swept over her. She could feel the sudden cold. Stick-like black arms reached out for her from the human-shaped shadow. Its face, why can't I see its face? Hannah wondered, struggling to keep moving. The shadow blocked the bright sun. The whole world was blackening beneath it. Gotta keep moving. Gotta move, Hannah told herself. The dark figure floated beside her, its arms outstretched. Gasping in horror, Hannah saw bright red eyes glowing like embers from the blackness. Hannah, it whispered. Hannah. What does it want from me? She struggled to keep pedaling, but her legs wouldn't cooperate. The dry whispers seemed to circle her, to wrap her in terror. Hannah! No! She screamed as she felt herself start to fall. She struggled to keep her balance. Too late. She was falling. She couldn't stop herself. Hannah! Hannah! She reached out her hands to break her fall. Oof! She gasped in pain as she landed hard on her side. The bike fell on top of her. The shadow figure, its red eyes glowing, moved in to capture her. Hannah! Hannah! Holy shit! What was that? I mean, death becomes her. She's dead. She's got to be dead. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, she does come too. She is our protagonist. We're not even to double digit chapters, so she's fine. But she does come too to see Danny standing over her asking if she's okay. Huh. Interesting. Uh, And. Danny hadn't, you know, she 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 brings up the shadows. She's like, shadows, figures, chases me. He's like, I didn't, I didn't see any shadows. I saw you lost control uh, while you're on your bike from going so fast, and you fell over. Um, she feels kind of silly about it. So anyway, they they separate. She heads on back, and he he goes back to his home. And the next afternoon, uh, you know, she's got Janie on the mind. She's still lonely. She wishes she had someone to talk to, and she's like, dang, still no mail from Janie. Ugh, it sucks. It's so lonely. This sucks. She's like, you know what? Instead of waiting for a letter from Janie, I'm going to do the definition of insanity and just keep writing Janie over and over and over again. Um, Certainly, Janie still wants to be my friend. Uh, I'll just inundate her with letters until she replies. So she decides to go write Janie another letter to tell her about Danny and the shadows. Uh, again, even though none of her friends have written her all summer, and uh, I have, I do have a little letter for, uh, to Janie, the next letter to Janie here lined up for you guys, if you'd like to hear it. Uh, it goes like this. Dear Janie, 
How are you? I seriously hope you've fallen in the lake and drown. That would be the only good excuse for not writing to me in all this time. How could what you if she abandon- got killed by prairie cats? Sorry. I know, right? What if prairie she cats? died at camp? No one's bringing it up. How could you abandon me here like this? Next summer, one way or the other, I'm going to camp with you. Things are definitely weird around here. Do you remember I told you about that boy who moved in next door? His name is Danny Anderson, and he's kind of cute. He has red hair and freckles and serious brown eyes. Well, don't laugh, Janie, but I think Danny is a ghost. I can hear you laughing, but I don't care. By the time you get back to Greenwood Falls, I'm going to have proof. Please. Don't tell the other girls in your bunk that your best friend has totally freaked out until you read the rest of this. Here is my evidence so far. Number one, Danny and his family suddenly appeared in the house next door. I didn't see them move in, even though I've been home every day. Neither did my parents. Number two, Danny says he goes to Maple Avenue, which is a school. That's me saying that. That's a school. Goes to Maple Avenue, and he says he's going into eighth grade just like us. But how come we've never seen him? He hangs out with two guys I've never seen before, and he didn't know any of my friends. Number three. Sometimes he vanishes, poof, just like that. Don't laugh. And once he fell off the roof and landed on his feet without making a sound. I'm serious, Janie. Number four. Yesterday, I was being chased by a scary shadow, and I fell off my bike. And when I looked up, the shadow was gone, and Danny was standing in his place. And, uh-oh. This is starting to sound really crazy. I wish you were here so I could explain it better. It all sounds so dumb in a letter like I'm really messed up or something. I know you're laughing at me. Well, go ahead. Maybe I won't mail this letter. I mean, I don't want you to make jokes or remind me of it for the rest of my life. So, enough about me. How's it going out there in the woods? I hope you were bitten by a snake and your entire body swelled up and that's why I haven't heard from you. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you when you get back. Really. Whoa. Right. Love, Hannah. That was in the that she wrote that. That's she That's told she wished her friend to drown and to be bitten by a snake and that she was going to kill her when she gets back. That is intense, one those, Anna. One of those things uh you would consider the end of a friendship. Like if if oh, one yeah. of your friends wished that upon you, you would be like, "All right, fine. Go with it." If the you even then. wish me to see a picture of a snake, I'll fucking defriend you on everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't that has play. happened to several people uh <laughs> that we don't talk about anymore actually. <laughs> But yeah, that was the letter. And uh, while she she actually took took her uh, her pen and pad outside to write this letter under a tree, Hannah likes the uh, Hannah likes the feeling of the warm sun while she's outside. She's she's a, she's oh, an outside gal. I, I think she said that she put too many dirty clothes on her desk, so she had no place to write. Yeah, again, lack and of it's effort. Also, Hannah, it, it's also it's it's also nice out too, I guess too. It is nice. Yeah, it is nice and, uh, you know, the dirty desk. But, uh, she, she, when she finishes pinning this letter, she looks up from her spot where she is, she's perched under the tree here and, and she sees Danny, but she describes him as shimmering. Huh? It's not something that, uh, people named Danny typically do. Uh, shimmering over there. And, uh, he, he demands her to give him the letter. Hey, give me that letter. And she's like, uh, what? No, why? And he's like, because you found out the truth about me, and there's no way I'll let you tell anyone. Bum, bum, bum. I, I do like Hannah's moxie, where she's just like, ha So I was right the whole time. <laughs> I'm very glad about that. He's, he's still being pretty pushy about this letter situation, though, and he's, but he's also starting to shimmer more and glow more, and like, to the point where it's hurting her eyes, and she's like, 
I'm not giving you back your letter. Why are you bothering me? Or like not her, his letter or giving it back. She wrote the letter. That's her letter. Yeah, Danny, you don't deserve this letter. And But she's like yelling at him. Her eyes are shut. And when she reopens her eyes again, she sees two faces and she realizes it's her twin brothers. And they're <sighs> making fun of her and telling her that she was snoring. And she's like, thanks, guys. Can you just Man, just some real vivid dreams yeah. of this gal. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, those aren't the typical dreams I had as a child. Usually, usually the dreams I had at that point were so boring I couldn't tell if they were real or not. <laughs> I had I had a dream that I lost a pencil, and that stuck with me <laughs> for twenty five years. I will tell you that I woke up from that dream being like, "Did I ever find that pencil?" And I was like, "Oh wait, that wasn't real." And you're welcome for me telling the most boring dream story on this podcast. Man, that's so much worse than all of the childhood trauma I've experienced and talked about here. That was rough. Yeah, I mean, buddy, I I still wonder where that pencil was in my dream. But uh, she's, you know what? She's like, I'm going to find out the truth about this Danny kid, even if it kills me. Mm, I feel mm, like mm. she has a lot of death talk on her brain, but she does talk about it a lot. She decides she's going to, you know what? We're going to cut. We're going to do an Occam's razor situation here. I'm tired of spying. I'm just going to talk to Danny. I just talk to him. I'll just go. That's what you got to do. Yeah. You know what? Like open communication lines with your ghost neighbor. Like don't just run away from spooked. Ask how spooked is doing. Mm -hmm. So she decides she's going to go next door. Talk to Danny. And she gets over there. And you know what? I'm just going to read it. Taking a deep breath, Hannah stepped into the square of light on the stoop. She knocked on the window of the kitchen door. She listened. The house was silent. She knocked again. Silence. No footsteps to answer the door. She leaned forward and peered into the kitchen. Oh! Hannah cried out in surprise. Danny's mother sat at the yellow kitchen table, her back to Hannah, her hair glowing in the light of a low ceiling fixture. She had both hands wrapped around a steaming white coffee mug. Why doesn't she answer the door, Hannah wondered. She hesitated, then raised her fist and knocked loudly on the door. Several times. Throughout, through the window, she could see that Danny's mother didn't react to the knocking at all. She lifted the white mug to her lips and took a long sip, her back to Hannah. Answer the door, Hannah cried out loud. She knocked again and called. Mrs. Anderson! Mrs. Anderson! It's me, Hannah! From next door! Under the cone of light, Danny's mother set the white mug down on the yellow table. She didn't turn around. She didn't move from her chair. Mrs. Anderson! Hannah raised her hand to knock, then lowered it in defeat. I know why she doesn't hear me, Hannah thought, backing away from the window. I know why she doesn't answer the door. Overcome with fear, Hannah uttered a low moan and backed away from the light, off the stoop, into the safety of the darkness. Bum, bum, bum. Very Uh-oh. few times you hear a child escaping to the safety of the darkness. Right? But she reckons Miss Anderson must be a ghost. Uh-oh. Well, if Miss Anderson's a ghost, that would mean Danny is also a ghost. So she comes inside and she wants to tell her parents about everything. She wants to come clean. Actually, it's kind of a rather impulsive thing she does. She just kind of sees them there, and she's like, oh, 
I blah 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 and just tells them, uh, I think our neighbors are ghosts, yada yada yada. And uh as you would expect, they don't believe her. They're like, horse shit. And so she's like, well, if you guys aren't going to believe me, I'm going to go chill my nerves with a little ice cream from downtown. There's an ice cream shop downtown. I'm going to go down there. I know it's dark. Yeah, it's 8 p.m. It's a little late for a 12-year-old to be wandering around on their own looking for an ice cream store. But I'm going to do that. I'm going to head on out. I got autonomy. And as she's approaching the ice cream shop, Dylan, she starts to feel a little bit of dread. She gets one of those premonitions she's been getting. She's like, something bad's about to happen. I just don't know what. And as she, I think she has her hand right on the door handle of this ice cream shop, a figure burst out. And then two more figures follow, their faces twisted in fear. Well, it wasn't shadowy, ghostly figures. It just so happened to be Danny and his two buds, Alan and Fred. It was people. It busted out of this ice cream shop. And what? What were they doing in there? Why would somebody... You know, when, no one's ever left an ice cream shop with their face twisted in fear. It's usually a good time in there. Yeah. But then someone from inside the shop shouting angrily. Now you're starting to put it together. This is going to be another Kenny Chesney situation. These boys mm-hmm. have done have done pissed off uh, an establishment owner. And uh, they recognize... I think it's Mr. Harder is the name of the ice cream shop owner. He's shouting angrily from inside the shop. God dang it, dang, dang it. And she could hear the boys running away. She could hear the pitter-patter of little boy footsteps heading off into the distance. But she could no longer see them. It was getting dark. And then all of a sudden, whack! She's hit from behind. Falls to the pavement. Oh, no. What has happened now? Now we got, was a street crime all of a sudden? Bum, bum, bum! This, this, the amount of damage that adults have done to children so far is getting a little concerning in this book because it's actually Mr. Harder who, uh, he's knocked her onto her elbows and knees by like, he, he basically just comes rocketing out of the shop, knocks the door open, throws Hannah to the ground. She's broken all of her limbs and, but he's too busy yelling at these boys and he's like, I need to stop these boys from stealing ice cream cones. And <laughs> A, how much are these you ice can't, cream cones? Well, like, I mean, a, you can't get them back. It's not like you yeah. can take them back. But, uh, uh, like, he doesn't even notice her. He's too upset over the $3.50 worth of ice cream that these children have stolen. And I guess there's probably not a lot of crime in this town. They keep saying over and over again, nothing happens in Eden Falls or whatever this town's called. But, uh, you know, she's, you can tell that there's a little frustration. She's like, ah, Danny, I thought you were better than this. Stealing ice cream from Mr. Harder. <laughs> but uh, she she decides she's going to go catch up after them because she doesn't have anything else to do. And she kind of needs to talk to Danny about the whole ghost thing, yada, yada. But uh, they don't notice her. And so she just kind of hangs back and starts listening to them there as they're talking. And Fred and Alan, who are, who are Danny's friends, they're like the whole time, you can tell they're no good nicks. Like, these are the kids that yeah. would be bullying Evan or would be like. Oh, yeah. These are some of the rougher someone. kids. And you think about oh, some of the yeah. stuff they try to do. These are, I think Fred and Alan take the cake so far in terms of like the, the real twins, threats, menaces the to twins society. And Monster Blood are, are pretty bad. Like they're tormenting cats and stuff and they steal bikes. They're pretty bad kids too. Um, I think these guys they, are just a notch above that, given what they try to pull off at the end of the book. We'll, we'll, we'll find, like maybe later in Monster Blood 2, we'll find out that those twins killed somebody and then I'll be right. Maybe. But until then, maybe. I guess we'll. we'll We'll agree to disagree, but uh, all right, all right. Uh, they're you know Fred and Alan are clearly like, 
oh man, like it was great. We stole those ice creams. Like he got a nutty buddy. We're gonna like wreck this town. Mm-hmm. And a Danny's clearly be like, yeah, I like nutty buddies too. The <laughs> drumsticks are awesome. And Hannah sees like two headlights coming their way, and she's like, oh boy, oh boy, fuzz are gonna get in here. Five zero rolling up, gonna pop them. Like, whew, they're gonna get caught. Oh, that's the end. Dun, dun, dun. Like, I, I feel like this isn't really worthy of a cliffhanger. This justice is about. <laughs> They're about to get their just desserts. <laughs> and he retires from the podcast. Tune in next season with a new host, new co-host. It'll be me and somebody less funny. Probably. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So, of course, it just ends up being some old lost man. He wants directions. Could you boys tell me how to get to Route 112? Route 112? I've I got a map here, and I don't know how it's up. Maybe it's upside down. I don't know. Maybe you boys, yeah, yeah, hoodlums, uh, maybe you know how I can get over to Route 112. And uh, they say... Yeah, dude. Uh, look, we're menaces to society. We love arson and uh, federal offenses and all that stuff, but we will help you. All you got to do, go to the end of this road. You take a left. Go straight. Go through two lights. Take a right. Boom. You're on Route 112. Oh, thank you. You boys are so sweet. Speeds it's, off if, in the clear. If anyone had asked me for directions at that age or even now, I'd be like, I don't know, buddy. Like, you're on your own. But these twins, I keep thinking everyone's twins in these books. These bullies are just like, (laughs) oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. So, Route 112 actually turns into, like, Cross Street. So, what you need, like, it's wild to me. Because I would have been like, I don't know, dude. Are you a stranger? And, like, run away. Like, and they're just. Man. I would have been. I was, like, real adept with directions as a kid. I, I begged people to ask me for directions. I'd be like, hey, you want. You want to know how to get anywhere? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you anyway, because I'm that kind of guy. I, I'm annoying. I, to this day, I still feel a pit of regret in my stomach from, I'm pretty sure when I was 11 years old, I told a woman the wrong directions to get to the, the mall. And that haunts me to this day. She was murdered uh, at a dead end. This was in Durham. Like, we have, we have, oh, yeah, Al Roker did a... Al Roker did a, a special on the street gangs of my my fair city. I'm not that's not a joke actually. Al Roker did do a special wow. on the, the the Crips situation in Durham, North Carolina, and he wore a leather jacket in front of a chain link fence to let you know he was on serious business. I'm not telling you about the weather this time. Wow, dang, dude, I'm gonna have to look up that footage. That's intense. It's uh, not my well, town. Well, uh, you know. This goodwill effort from Fred and Alan, who are the two hoodlums that Danny hangs out with, is short-lived because they just turn around right after the old man drives away and realize, hey, guys, look, we're we're right across the street from Mr. Chesney's house, that old postmaster who was giving us some rough times uh, a couple days ago. And uh, they see his mailbox, and and, uh, this... Mr. Chesney requires some ribbing over this. He is the postmaster, which, you know, great. Uh, but he tends to take mail quite seriously to the point that he has an extremely ornate mailbox uh, of a golden swan. Are you making uh, has, fun of his mailbox? Why are you making fun of his mailbox? It sounds ugly and unnecessary. 
It does, you don't need All that. Right. All right. I guess if you want to be just the worst person on the planet, you can just... Well, I'm going to agree with Fred and Alan on that front. Pretty hideous. Mm. Uh, I don't agree with what they do next, which is uh, Fred and Alan are like, Danny, take that mailbox. Pull it up out of the ground. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to take a mailbox out of the ground. There's concrete usually in the base. Not the easiest. They're not just in there like tent poles or like camp, you know, like tent stakes. Uh, they're usually in there pretty good, but they say, Danny, go over there and take it. Hannah wa- is watching from a distance. You know, she's basically invisible. She's hanging out in the dark. Doesn't want to confront them. Uh, and she has this premonition, as she does. Uh oh, something bad's going to happen. So she's like, Ugh. she gets up the gumption. She steps out of the shadows, tries to stop them. But like her voice, she chokes on her own voice. She's like, she's, her voice is drowned out. Like her fear, her own fear has quieted her. But then, something happens. Taking a deep breath, she stepped out from behind the bush. As she started to call them, everything went black. Hey! She cried aloud. What had happened? Her first thought was that the street lamp had gone out. But then Hannah saw the two red circles glowing in front of her. The two glowing eyes surrounded by darkness. The shadow figure rose up inches in front of her. She tried to scream, but her voice was muffled in its heavy darkness. She tried to run, but it blocked her path. The red eyes burned into hers. Closer. Closer. It's got me now. Hannah knew. Bum, bum, bum. You didn't say my favorite chapter this time. Oh, it's chapter 13. This is Dylan's time to shine. Take it away, Dill. Our little ghost, Spooked, doesn't say a lot right now, but what he does say... And she smells hot, sour breath. Buttermilk breath, right? mm, Buttermilk breath. Just hot hot and fresh out the butter. Uh, Classic spooked move. The Dutch and their buttermilk, am I right? I mean, that's what they make in those windmills is buttermilk all day long. Really? That is is Dutchland, right? They have the buttermilk windmills? I don't don't know. (laughs) Well, has to ask Weedle. But, um... But luckily, a car comes, headlights, shine away the darkness, spooked, gets spooked, he runs out of there, and everything comes back to normal, but like, except now we're back to Fred and Alan, just constantly, Danny, come on, you chicken shit, pull that mailbox out, use your muscles, come on, Danny, and Danny's like, I don't know, but like, Danny's grabs onto the mailbox. He's like, I'm gonna rip. And Hannah seems to think that Danny is ripped because she's worried that he's gonna grab this thing and yank it straight out of the ground and they're just right? gonna hike off with it because she's like, Danny, wait. And I'm imagining like the biggest, bulkiest mailbox ever. Like you wouldn't be, once it was up out of the ground, you couldn't lift it off the ground. Like it would be too, it's like, co- it's a concrete ornate swan. That's what I'm imagining. I, no, it's a, it's a wood swan. We know it's wood because they break it. Well, yeah. Like it's carved yeah. or something. What? what uh, so well, the wings are. The Dan- wings are wooden. I was imagining like a big... Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, so they can't... He can't hear her. Like, he's calling... Uh, like, Hannah's calling to Danny, but Danny's just like, I'm going to pull this thing up. And you know when you're trying to lift something heavy, you can't hear very well. But, so he's trying to even get the pole to move, and it's in deep. But, like, and you know when you get your pole in deep, and you can't even get it to move anymore? Bud, do I? Don't I know all about that? <laughs> so all three boys try and move that pole 
at the same time. No like, less about that arms. maneuver. More of a solo yeah. pole mover myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially when you're in deep. But from the darkness, they hear a familiar voice. Is it spooked? No. It's friendly Postmaster General Chesney saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you, rabbit. I don't know. It sounded like I was going to Yosemite Sam voice. So I decided to just <laughs> really go for it. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Yeah. Tells them he wouldn't do that if he were them. Of course he wouldn't. He's the postmaster. He's not going to commit a federal crime against a mailbox. Uh, but he runs out there. He puts hands on kids. You know, he runs out there, starts prying Danny from this mailbox like he's a... <laughs> Like he's a dry autumn booger, just yanking him, trying to get him off of there. And when in the middle of that tussle, Danny not letting go of it for some reason, and he should have just let it go, but he doesn't let go and breaks the wing off of this ornate swan. You know, that crush is uh, Mr. Chesney's like, I spent weeks in the woodshop with the skill saw outlining that. Like, I'm probably going to murder you all, you all you kids in just a minute. Uh, and then Hannah screams. She's like, hey, don't, no, don't do that. Everybody stop. It's bad. And Danny gets free from Mr. Chesney, gets out of the grip, runs, and Chesney threatens all the kids with a shotgun. He says, if you, if I, if you come back here, I will shoot you. I will blow your brains out with a shotgun. I don't care. I've had enough of this. And then all the boys run because they're like, well, that does sound bad. So they run. And uh, Hannah follows because she's like, well, I don't want to get shot either. So everyone runs. All the kids scatter. And she, they catch up. Danny's rattled by all this. Uh, that wasn't what Danny wanted to happen. He was just kind of doing it because Fred and Alan were kind of making him do it. And he even says Chesney hurt his shoulder when he's trying to yank him off of that ornate swan mailbox. Pulled his shoulder. Toughed him up pretty bad. Alan and Fred, they're loving it. They're like, dude, just see the look on his face. He's not going to kill us. Don't worry. He's not going to. Do you think he's going to shoot a bunch of kids about a mailbox? Come yes. on. It's like, yeah, oh, it's, a, sorry. it's a federal. It's like his job. I mean, I don't really know how the Postmaster General works, but I assume he walks around the neighborhood with a gun, making sure no one's messing with mailboxes, right? That's what yeah, I've yeah. always I been mean, told. That, it's, a, it's, a, it's a punishable by death. Pretty sure. It's, yeah. it's from what I understand. In South Carolina, it certainly is. Uh, and so they're loving it and they're even like kind of still bullying Danny for even feeling bad about the whole thing. Like you big chicken, uh, teasing him pretty hard. Eventually they split up. Danny goes his own way. Fred and Alan go their own way and Hannah catches up to Danny. She gets him alone and she's like, Hey, listen, uh, boo, by the way, I know you didn't know I was around the whole time. Uh, but also I saw everything that just happened and She's like, also, while I'm admitting to stalking you there, I want to let you know that I also tried to break into your house earlier, uh, but your mom was there and she wouldn't acknowledge me. And um, I either think your mom is super rude or a ghost. And Danny's like, uh, okay, that's strange. And Hannah's like real bad wanting to ask. She's like on the cusp of being like, Danny, are you and your family ghosts? But then she's like, you know what? That's a dumb question. That's so stupid. Why would anybody ask anybody that? That's so dumb. But Danny kind of cuts her off. He's like, listen, I guess, I guess I should tell you the truth. Bum, bum, bum. 
my mom's death. <laughs> I mean, that's it's basically not, it. That's, that yeah, is the truth. Uh, it was your delivery. Okay. I'm not laughing at, <laughs> I'm not laughing at her affliction. I'm just saying it was your delivery. You did that to us. I know. I know. I know. I just wanted to go straight from like, bump, bump, bump into like, oh, it, you know. Yeah. That's but, all it was. Uh, I mean, like, she, she's deaf. She's not rude yeah. or a ghost. No, she, uh, she had like uh, an ear infection that spread to both ears. Lost her hearing. Uh, she's, uh, doesn't want Danny going around telling people about it necessarily, which, you know, fair enough. Probably don't want everyone in the neighborhood knowing you can't hear someone banging at your door trying to get in there and murder your ghost child. You wouldn't want that. But, uh, so she feels kind of bad because she's just like, she goes from, you're a ghost to, I'm harassing a disabled person, uh, which is not a good look for Hannah. And it makes it also sound like she's being a little like upset about it, but she, she walks it back. She's like, Oh, okay. I'm glad she wasn't ignoring me. Cool. Danny, thank you for trusting me with your family's medical history. I'm going to go <laughs> home though. Uh, and you can tell this has kind of rattled her a little bit. Cause she's thinking like, Oh, he's like, can ghosts be deaf? That doesn't make sense. That seems a little bit weird. Like I, it's, uh, I'm such a dummy. Why would I think? And then she gets attacked by spooked again on her own, Stoop. Spooked on the stoop. Hannah, stay away. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Spooked getting, getting to the stoop. Getting threatening. I'm going to be reading the first part of chapter 16 for everybody. Gripped with horror, Hannah thought she saw the shadow of an evil grin inside the deeper shadow that hovered over the stoop. Hannah, stay away. Stay away from Danny. No! In her panic, Hannah didn't even realize that the howl came from her own throat. The red eyes glowed brighter in reaction to her scream. The fiery stare burned into her eyes, forcing her to shield her face with both hands. Hannah, listen to my warning. The dreadful dry whisper. The whisper of death. The sinewy black finger. The sinewy black finger outlined in the white porch light pointed to her, threatened her again. And again, Hannah cried out in a voice hoarse with terror, No! The dark figure swept closer, closer. And then the kitchen door swung open, throwing a long rectangle of light over the yard. Hannah? Is that you? What's going on? Her father stepped into the light, his features nodded with concern, his eyes peering into the darkness through his square eyeglasses. Dad! Hannah's voice caught in her throat. Look out, Dad! He... he... Hannah pointed. Pointed to empty air. Pointed to the empty rectangle of light from the kitchen door. Pointed to nothing. The shadow figure had disappeared once again. Her mind spinning in confusion, feeling dazed and terrified, she hurried past her father into the house. And following that, after Hannah just points to nothing... Dad's like, well, I guess I'll look for something. She seemed pretty rattled. Would you see a raccoon? What'd you see out there, sweetheart? What'd you see? Was it, uh, was it old, old man Stickums again in the trash? Uh, which is also the name of the raccoon, old man Stickum. Um, he didn't see anything. And she tells mom about it. Mom's like, I think she's crazy. She must just be crazy. You know how 12 year old girls are. And Hannah gives up. She's like, oh, it's no use. It's, I know it's so weird. I just, uh, I just want to go to bed. I just want to go to sleep. So she goes up to her room and finds the shadowy figure is waiting 
beside her bed. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Sadly, for all of us concerned, it's not spooked. It's instead just a long sleeve black sweater that she tossed on her bedpost. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say I... that's, that's, that's a weak cliffhanger for a chapter after 15. Usually after that, mm-hmm. they're pretty good. This one was a real no-boner for me. Well, this, this one's about... I'm going to say this book follows a similar pattern to uh, uh, Night of the Living Dummy. In the sense that you don't really know what's going on until 1718. But we're not there yeah, yet, so it doesn't that's matter. Fair. But the, the whole time, I like, now that she's sorted out the spooked in her bedroom situation, like, oh, with my, my sweater. Why is she wearing a sweater in the summer anyway? But, I mean, mm. I have sweaters lying around everywhere, and it doesn't matter. But she's still going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, is he actually a ghost? Do he lie about his mom? Are Alan and Fred ghosts? Because apparently everyone's a ghost now. It's kind of like the Red Scare in the 50s where, like, you just think everyone, your neighbor's a ghost. <laughs> got, like, uh, the neighbor's friends are ghosts. The, everyone's a ghost. And uh, who's this dark figure? Who is spooked? Why does it want her to stay away from Danny? Why is it warning her about Danny? This is all weird and... Uh, but she's she decides to like try to sleep it off because she's got a lot of going on her brain and then she has like this dream that that Danny is spooked that Danny is this dark figure that's been chasing her and she's just like, I yeah. don't like, that's the weirdest thing of all that's even less believable than Alan and Fred being ghosts but she's she's like you know what I just need to talk to Danny I just need to be upfront about him I need to ask if he's interested in me because I need to stop doing all this back and forth in my head like. Like, it's just so emotionally exhausting to not know if the other person, like, has feelings for you. So instead, like, you just play this this game. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, I mean ghost. Uh, it's hard to know if your friend is a ghost. But, uh, you know, the, the problem we all have. But uh, so the next morning, she's she sees Danny playing soccer in, in, in his, his yard. And she's like, you know what? Danny. Today's the day. Uh, Danny, uh, did you like me? Like, or is this just like a game for you? Like, are you like, uh, I just don't know where we stand. Uh, like, Travis, like, are, are we dating? <laughs> we are. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Tim oh, podcast okay. well, makes, makes it real. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well then, uh, then we can get back to the book. Uh, so, um, she's like, Hey, Danny, you ghost. <laughs> I was floored by her forwardness. She finally just got up the I- gumption. Was so excited. I'm not. I'm going to have to interrupt you right now because the moment she said that, I was like, "Fuck yes! Let's get to the nitty gritty of this mystery. Like, just cut straight to it." <clears throat> yeah, and of course, Danny uh, replies with, "Uh, huh? Uh, yeah, sure." And he seems confused, almost like he didn't really hear the question, or like she was joking. And she's so embarrassed because of the way that he answered that she doesn't follow up with like. Seriously, are you spectral? Are you supernatural? <laughs> are you poltergeisting you, me right now? You, do you leave any ectoplasm? He's like, uh, sometimes at night, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and then Hannah just kind of backs down. She's like, well, that didn't go like I thought it would. You ever do that, though? Like, you get up the gumption to ask somebody something, it doesn't come out right, they don't answer right, and you just like, ah, never mind. I'll try again oh, yeah. later. Like, I hate yeah, that. Yeah, That's the worst. Mm, there's there's plenty of times where I'm just, do you, do, like, if they give, you know, I'll start a conversation that I didn't really want to start, 
And then if they give me an out, like, I'm sorry, what did you say? It's like, oh, uh, nothing. Grape juice is good too. And then run. Like, just, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I, I, this, if this had played out that way, we're like, oh, oh, thank Christ. They didn't hear what I actually said. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I had a lot of empathy. I was a little frustrated by this, but was like, nah, I get it. Um, <laughs> she, she does, uh, she does do some follow up a little bit though. She, she starts beating around the bush a little bit. She's staying on her thread. She says, uh, well, okay, so what, what school do Alan and Fred go to? Why, why have I never seen them before? And Danny comes back with, why have they never seen you? Huh. Interesting. And then he says, you know what? You know what Alan and Fred want to do? They want to go back to Chesney's again. They want to go back there tonight. They want to get revenge on that old postmaster bastard. And she's like, ugh, I wouldn't do that. Um, but they're playing kickball now. He's, they're kicking the ball around. They're having a little bit of fun out in the yard. And uh, Danny, as athletic as he is, you know, magic off a roof, uh, falls while kicking a soccer ball. Hannah goes over. I think she scores on him or something. They're playing a little bit of soccer ball. She's, she manages to That's score. That's how I phrase it. Yeah, and then she goes over, does a little she dunks, and then she goes soccer dunks, goes over to help him up. <laughs> And uh, when she go- reaches down to help him up, uh, their hands go through each other's. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Bump, bump, bump. Is that, is that not a euphemism? Because I, I say that when I like someone. I'm just like, oh, my hands went right through theirs. Um, <laughs> no? Is that? Okay. I don't think so. Uh, I've not seen it. No. But, like, only, like, Hannah is just, like, jackpot! And she's... I can just, um, just, I, I see her, I know she doesn't, isn't described as doing this, but I see her definitely doing like fist raised in the air, like just super excited. She's like, I knew it. You're a ghost. And Danny is just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Cause he's, he sees this too. He's not even like saying like, Hey, our hands didn't go through each other. I definitely don't feel about you that way. He's like, <laughs> holy crap. And I love that you put this down because this is something I always get excited about when I read this in a Goosebumps book. I don't know why, but he's just like, he takes off, not just his ball cap, he takes off his Cubs hat. He's just like, oh boy, and scratchy. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, another baseball. So far we've had a Dodgers cap. Dodgers we've had and uh, Cubs. Uh, uh, Cubs. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was another one, but um, I'm not actually paying attention that much. I was just excited. Be like, yeah, oh, Cubs no. Fan. I thought um, you like that. I put that in there for you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, then, uh, Danny's apparently I guess because I'm with you this seems like a little abrupt and came out of nowhere where Danny's just like I guess we should uh, figure out which one of us is the ghost and just puts his hand through her chest through her chest doesn't go for the chest. arm doesn't go for the arm yeah. or a leg he he reaches for uh, one of her most formative parts of her young body don't do that dude no yeah well maybe he doesn't know at this point that he's not supposed to touch a lady's chest without saying Should hey do that. you mind uh, you gotta know that. They going- teach you that. You know that. In, in 1993, <laughs> <laughs> you know that. You know. You know you're not supposed to because uh, you want to. That's how you know you shouldn't. That's do true. It. Just like Hannah's, just like excuse you, and then she's like, oh shit. Um, I mean, I shouldn't make assumptions about Danny's preferences. I'm just saying, like, that's you should know that's a no no. That's a private part. I mean, they tell you all yeah, about that. It, yeah, it doesn't matter what your preferences are. You shouldn't be sticking your hands through your friends. Uh, <laughs> at least that's that's what all my friends used to tell me. Yeah, don't reach for their chests. Uh, oh, not reach into them. Okay. Um, so 
Danny uh, proves the fact that not only is he not a ghost, he's also not brave because uh, he just bails. I would have, holy shit, if this happened to me and I was able to put my hand in my friend, I would never <laughs> leave that friend. I would be like, bro, we need to be best friends now. This is turning into weird phrasing, but. No, I'm with uh, you because now you have a, but, like, that's not a normal friend. That's a cool friend. Like, you can go through walls, dude. You can go get, you could get us ice cream right now. I like. I don't know if this was not the universal case for all children. It was probably only the case for uh, maybe children that look like you or me, who are just like, I want to be the weird kid, but not the weird kid that doesn't can't control being the weird kid, but the weird kid right. that is like a ghost or have a cool talent that you could walk through. Uh, that would be sweet. That is awesome. And then Hannah, she's like, okay, he's scared of me. He put his hand through me. Oh shit. Hannah's the ghost. Yeah. Bum, bum. Ooh. You know, and a thing, too, about this is, um, I think, I don't know about it. Maybe you could tell us here now. As a kid, did this surprise you when you read this, or did you pick up on it pretty early? Because I, maybe I was looking for a twist, but this was not a surprise at all. You weren't surprised that she was... De- I, as a child, I was definitely surprised that okay. it was Hannah. Who's I'm glad. I, uh, I figured R.L. Stein had the kids fooled, and that's good. I, so, what's interesting for me is uh, I, I remembered this twist, kind of like how I remember there's a twist uh, for um, the Terror at Crystal Lake. What's the camp book we just did? Eight, oh, nine. Camp Nightmare? Welcome to Camp Nightmare? Yeah, I knew about... The, I knew there was a twist. I didn't know what the exact twist was. I was like, are they aliens? I can't remember. But for this one, I knew 100%. Oh, Hannah's Hannah's dead. I know she's the ghost. Um, and if I hadn't remembered that, I probably would have figured that out. Um, because the the, the well, she's, she's invisible throughout the entire book. Like, no one acknowledges her. They, he drops a lot of hints about she doesn't get letters back. Quilt, Miss Quilty doesn't acknowledge her. The guy that busts out of the store doesn't acknowledge her. Mr. Chesney never acknowledges her. She can't, no one hears her when she screams for them. So I was like, well, she's definitely the ghost. Mm-hmm. So when this happens, it's not really a surprise, but I'm glad the kids were fooled. Uh, that's good. That's what I, that's important. Well, and part of this too is like, like I was saying with Night of the Living Dummy, the, the point of Night of the Living Dummy isn't the fact that, uh, there's an evil dummy. It's you think it's the wrong dummy the entire book, or right. the fact that the that's a good the first batch of crimes weren't Slappy or uh, Mister Murder or whatever the other dummy's name was. I feel like it was a Mister Mister Wood. Like it was actually the sister, and then oh, but at this time you have the first set of problems, which is who's the ghost or is there a ghost? But nothing's resolved at this point, so that it feels like that to some degree, where it's like, yeah. oh, now we're about to hit, now things are about to really ramp up, because we went from a, a sociopathic sister to, you know, an evil dummy. Now we've gone from like, oh, our main protagonist is actually the one who's dead, and we still don't know who the spooked is, um, or yes. what's going on with Danny. That's the thing, too. You kind of, I always kept, I kept forgetting about the spooked. I'd be reading the book. I wasn't until like red glowing guys. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Cause I, I spent most of the book being like, now who's the ghost? Is he going to do a twisty twist? And like, maybe I've been baited into believing I'm right the whole time. And then he's going to flip it on me. Cause R.L. Stein, he's clever enough to do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, at any rate, all right, we're going to break into chapter 20 here. I just wanted to, to check to see where we were in terms of expectations on that. Uh, so she realizes she's the ghost. So she goes, she's on her way back home because she's like, shit, I didn't think that it was, it was me. That's weird. Uh, she's trying to like think of all the things that have happened to her, and she's like, "Well, yeah, yeah it's making sense." Um, she gets back to her house. She sees uh, Mrs. Quilty, 
that neighbor lady that didn't acknowledge her earlier because she was gardening and uh, seems like a nice, nice lady. And she's talking to another woman uh, just outside of Hannah's house. They're kind of standing at the foot of her driveway. They're pointing at Hannah's house and they're having a conversation. And Hannah gets close enough to where she can hear them. And they say, uh, she hears them say, uh, oh, that house there, uh, that's been that's been vacant for five years ever since the fire. That house burned down. And uh, Hannah's like, that's not right. That, what? Yeah, the house is burned down uh, and it's been rebuilt. But they rebuilt it and no one moved in. Uh, it's a real shame what happened there. Big tragedy. The whole family died. There was a girl and uh, uh, two two young boys, and uh, it's like, dang, that sounds like Hannah's family. Uh, Hannah's Hannah's a girl, just two uh, two twin brothers. Um, huh? Interesting. Hannah realizes then at that point that her dream wasn't a dream. Now I read the book a bit scattered. It takes me a, you know a few days because I take notes. It takes me you know I do it while I'm kind of in between work. I kind of forgotten about the dream at the very beginning of the book when this was mentioned, mm. and so I really did have it like an oh shit okay. So the dream was the thing. So that was a cool moment. Uh, Hannah realizes again that this dream wasn't a dream, and she sobs. So this becomes very sad at this point because she realizes yeah, that this, she's dead. This. Chapter is gutting to me. It's like, rough. Yeah. <laughs> like genuinely, this is like the chapter, like the uh, hospital chapter or the, uh, uh, there was one recently. It, I think it was in Camp Nightmare. I forget what, it, what the description was though, but it was something that's just like, oh, that's just sad and makes me feel unhappy. Like, yes. Um, in a good way. Um, but I can't remember what that is. But anyway. Uh, yeah. This, and this chapter it- hit me. It does, and I'm going to read you some of the sad bits, because uh, I didn't feel like I could do it justice with the summaries that we typically do, so you're going to get you're going to get a hold of it. But uh, they say that it was the kids' fault they didn't put a campfire out before they went to bed, and what's interesting is in that letter to Janie earlier in the book, uh, Hannah mentions that her and her brothers had fun out at a campfire uh, the night before. So to her, this five years ago was the night before. She's kind of, this five years is kind of missing. She was dead and then she, I guess, didn't arrive as a ghost. She just kind of appeared when our book started, more or less, Mm -hmm. after this dream. So just wanted to paint that picture there. And then here we have from the book, it says, uh, this is Miss Quilty. Um, yes, the, the kids had some kind of campfire out back behind the garage. Mrs. Quilty continued, and when they went inside, they didn't put it out completely. Uh, the house caught fire after they had gone to sleep. It spread so quickly. Hannah saw the two women peering thoughtfully at the house from their position on the driveway. They were shaking their heads. The house was gutted and completely rebuilt, Miss Quilty was saying, but no one ever moved in. It's been five years. Can you imagine? I've been dead for five years, Hannah thought, letting the tears roll down her cheeks. No wonder I didn't know Danny or his friends. No wonder I haven't gotten any letters from Jane, from Janie. <clears throat> no wonder I haven't gotten any letters from Janie. No wonder I haven't heard from any of my friends. I've been dead for five years. Now, Hannah understood why sometimes time seemed to stand still and sometimes it floated by so quickly. Ghosts come and go, she thought sadly. Sometimes I'm solid enough to ride a bike or kick a soccer ball. And sometimes I'm so flimsy, someone's hand goes right through me. Hannah watched the two women make their way down the block until they disappeared from view. Clinging to the tree trunk, she made no attempt to move. It was all beginning to make sense to Hannah. The dreamlike summer days, the loneliness, the feeling that something wasn't right. But what about Mom and Dad? She asked herself, pushing herself away from the tree. What about the twins? Do they know? Do they know that we're all ghosts? 
Mom! She shouted, running for the front door. Mom! She burst into the house and ran through the hall to the kitchen. Mom! Mom! Where are you? Bill! Herb! Silence. No one there. They were all gone. Dumb, dumb, dumb. House is empty. No furniture. No clothes. No family. No one's there. There's no even a sign that anyone's been there. So, like, all the breakfasts they've had, all the times mm-hmm. that she said, like, oh, this has been lying on my bedpost, or either, like, they imagined it and just went through their daily lives, or but there's nothing there. And she's desperately lonely, just wants to talk to someone, but the phones are dead, obviously, because mm-hmm. she finds, like, one phone that's still attached. I'm assuming it's the ubiquitous yellow kitchen phone because i feel like it comes with the house <laughs> it right does. that, that it comes, comes with the house with the 90s house yeah but uh but once instead she just collapses and starts crying and then falls asleep crying on the floor of her empty house desperately sad moment in an rl stein book for kids terribly sad i mean it's it's really like sadder I just, than i can summarize it it's 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 terrible it's oh. so she she wakes up or you you put comes to and like I guess like I, that makes as much sense because she's a ghost like it's, it becomes hard to describe. Yeah, there is her. a time. There's kind of a time jump there too because mm-hmm. she talks about how time is kind of weird because she Lucy Goosey she uh falls asleep. It's like night when she gets home and then she doesn't think she's asleep long, but she does come to and it's like perfectly morning. Yeah, so she's doing it, some ghost time tripping. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, too, because th- that kind of time shifts are so natural in books that you'll see that happen in the, s- in the story now that you're looking for it as being like, oh, that's not actually a transition. Something like we just skipped yeah. that section, basically. That's uh, a good point. So it- it's interesting that he's kind of leaning into something that you kind of adapt to when you read a book anyway. But she 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 comes to and she sees Danny uh, outside on his bike. And she calls after him, uh, and apparently he's still, like, it's a 12-year-old girl, dude. Like, this is why I don't find the, sh- the Shining scary. It's like the, the twin girls in The Shining don't scare me. It's like they're ghost children. What are they going to do to you? Be scary and British? Woo! Uh, but it's, <laughs> I just seeing ghosts isn't necessarily a scary thing to me. But Danny apparently just loves The Shining and, and screams and takes off. But he, she's still getting these premonitions, and I'm—I think the premonitions are why I'm going to use the premonitions to, to fill in a couple of plot holes, like why uh, she jumps so close. So I love it when you do this. The, she goes so quickly to ghosts, and I think that's the premonition. I think she, some part of her, is aware of what's going on, like especially when we get to the end of the book, and it seems like she's been sent on a supernatural mission. Like I feel like she knows as much as she needs to know, and so this premonition thing is like pushing her forward to be like ghost and i think that's why mm. she jumped to that like like chapter seven right of, it's a bit divine like, you're thinking mm, yeah yeah uh so she feels like he's going with alan and fred alan and fred are bad news and that they're gonna go to chesney's so she follows after him and she sees the little cluster of hooligans out front and he meant like Danny's out there and he's he's apparently had some spinach, a couple vitamins because he just like I'd be worried about any trees that are near Danny because he just rips this thing <laughs> right out of the ground as if a whole town of undead is coming after him. An old dead false tree. Yeah. 
Fred is like parading around in the yard. I'm assuming he's doing kind of like a Stanley Cup trophy hoist, right? You know, just That's like what I imagine it over his head. Uh, and uh, you know, so far not not great. They're committing a crime, but at least there's no Chesney there with a shotgun or or Ch- like Chesney's not even there. But she thinks she sees like a shadowy figure. But we know who shadowy figures are. Yeah. Then this is when things become like this is where I think you and I will agree, even if they're not as bad or equal to as bad as the twins and Monster Blood. These are some bad kids. Oh, yeah, bad hombres. Oh yeah, because she sees Alan light a match. And maybe he's just he just needs a light to see, and this is before cell phones, and you use your screen to light maybe. everything up. So he's got a he's got a match. Could I used a flashlight? Those did exist, but that is true. I used to have those little keychain lights all the time. Yeah, I pressed it, and mm-hmm. you could light it up. And that that was kind of like my parents, like, "Oh, are you scared at the dock?" Yeah, I don't. My parents aren't from Boston. <laughs> or they've only been to Boston once. I don't know why I gave them a Boston accent <laughs> for my wedding. Uh, so uh-huh. like that's how much to Boston they've been, but uh. So she sees them light a match. They run around the side of the house, doing a good job keeping that match covered, I guess, because like you can't just run with. A I match. know. I imagine the whole time I was like, that doesn't that matches out two steps in, right? I, especially since he probably got handfuls of ma- like just a match lit in each <laughs> knuckle, and he's just like, oh. Um, and they run around the side of the house, and they they enter through a big window, and Hannah's just like, gotta use my ghostly powers to intervene, and then something grabs her leg. Which is concerning for multiple reasons because she's a ghost and she's aware of being a ghost. So I feel like things can't really grab her anymore. But maybe she doesn't know her powers yet. Dun, dun, dun. You're right. Uh, it is weird that sometimes she's grabby. Sometimes she's, she's, uh, I mean, she says as sometimes, much. She says it's sometimes flimsy Sometimes tries to put their hand on her chest and she's like, no, thank you, sir. Yeah, she goes plumb inside my chest. Not Turns out, though, this, uh, this thing. This this thing on the ground that grabs her leg and prevents her from following these three boys to their doom or to their crime or whatever is a coiled garden hose. The scariest thing to occur after chapter 20 in a Goosebumps book, a coiled garden hose gets a hold of her. Uh, but it gets worse because inside, while she's wrestling around on the ground as a ghost with a coiled, uh, coiled garden hose, they uh, end up starting a fire inside Chesney's house. She sees flames, big flames from from where she is outside. She sees inside. She sees big flames, and she yells for them to stop. Nothing. Yeah, they don't hear. They don't care. Uh, and then this red eyed shadow figure emerges once again. Emerges once again. Shows right up, telling her, of course, to go away, and comes toward her with its arms outstretched. Uh oh. Bum bum bum. It's Alan and Fred. <laughs> and they're, they like, like they book it out of the window and they actually see Hannah and they're like, oh, we don't know your name, but uh, Danny's trapped in there. So you should go get him. Bye. Uh, and Alan's like, oh, we didn't mean to. We had the matches. And it's like, what were you meaning to do with a box of matches inside someone's house that you didn't mean to burn it down? Like, right. And it's also weird your- to me that Alan and Fred can see her, too. Sometimes she's un- invisible and sometimes she isn't. It's strange. She's tangible. She's tangible enough to touch a hose, so we have to assume she's tangible enough to be seen at this point in time. Yeah, okay. By those two dipstick boys. Um, and again, divine purpose. Is this like an episode of Quantum Leap? What are we doing here? But Hannah is 
I mean, she knows she's dead, so I, I don't know if this is brave or not. She doesn't, she hasn't really adjusted to being dead, so I feel like this is still brave for her to be like, I need to get in that house. I have to save Danny, she thought. She took a deep breath, gazing up at the flickering, flashing light of the fire. Then she started towards the open window. Before she could take a step, the light from the window disappeared. The shadow rose in front of her. Hannah! Go away! Its frightening, harsh whisper was so close to her face. Go away! No! Hannah screamed, forgetting her fear. I have to save Danny! Hannah! You will not save him! Came the raspy reply. The dark figure, eyes afire, hovered over her, blocking Hannah's path to the window. Let me go, she screamed. I have to save him. The red eyes loomed closer. The darkness fell heavier around her. Who are you, Hannah shrieked. What are you? What do you want? The dark figure didn't reply. The glowing eyes burned into hers. Danny is trapped in there, Hannah thought. I have to get in that window. Move out of my way, she screamed. And in her desperation, she reached out with both hands, grabbed the dark figure by the shoulders, and tried to shove it out of the way. To Hannah's shock, the figure felt solid. With a determined cry, she raised her hands to its face and tugged. The darkness that cloaked its face fell away, and beneath the darkness, Danny's face was revealed. Oh. Bum, bum, bum! Wow. I'm probably going to have to take that out and put in a new bum, bum, bum. I think it blew out everyone's speakers. But that was worth it, I feel like. That was, <laughs> that was a big moment. That was a big, big moment. moment. Dang, that, that ghost, when you pull off its face, Koreans know. That's Danny's face underneath that. That's Danny's face because they saw the cover of their own book. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny, Danny Ghost, now. We're going to call it Danny Ghost. Spooked the Danny, Danny Ghost. Phantom is Danny uh, Phantom. a licensed character. Don't, no, don't say Danny Phantom. Just okay. Danny's Ghost. Yeah. What if I just said Fanny? Nope. All right. Nope, nope. Then you got Fanny Mae down on our backs. We don't need that. <laughs> well, anyway. Fanny always brings Freddy, so... Sh- Shadow Danny grins evilly, as you could imagine, and says, uh, basically, I am Danny's ghost. When he dies in this fire, he's about to die in a fire. When he dies in this fire, I will no longer be a shadow. I will be born, and Danny will go to the shadow world in my place. I'm pulling for sweet little Danny in there to die so that I could be relieved of my duties in the shadow realm. And he will pass through and take my place. And uh, she's like, that's cool. Uh, I'm not going to let him die, though. So I'm going to go and save him. And he's like, no, no, no. It's too late. He's already dead. I don't know how the, the cosmology in this world works. Like, isn't she a ghost? Does that mean she... Does I feel like she... the, she, I think Danny Ghost is a different entity. Like he's a bad dude, whereas Hannah is an actual representation of Hannah's. Whatever. I don't honestly. I'm exhausted by thinking about a child's horror books theology. Because yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to play. I'm a little confused by it. I just kind of went with it, but he's a bad I, ghost. I, I, and, yeah, uh, I'm gonna let, let's say this. Like Danny, Dan. Uh, Danny Ghost is a different entity than Hannah Ghost. Hannah Ghost mm. is good ghost, happy ghost. Hannah, Hannah, yeah, yeah. Danny, it's Hannah. Danny, let's 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 uh, let's just that's that's our new headcanon. We're just gonna move on because I can't think about this anymore. Hannah 
also doesn't want to think about spooked anymore. And she charges past him, gets inside. She's like, ah, oh, windows hot. You know, that's danger. Like she's watched backdraft 67 times. She knows the warning. Mm -hmm. Don't like touch the doorknob. The doorknob's hot. You know, it's like, a great, great that's movie. bad sign. But you need to be careful about that backdraft. So, but she knows. She knows. She's, she touches the window. Window's hot. But then she's like, wait, I'm, I'm a ghost. I don't. I don't need to worry about it. I can just walk through some flames. So she, she... She did detect that it's hot, though. That's a confusing thing. Like, if it's hot, then that means it could be... It could be painful if you walk through it. I think... I think we're, we're dealing with... All right. This is, this is going to be my biggest stretch because nothing in the text says this. But I'm stretching. I'm stretching. I'm going to get some of uh, my plot hole filler. This is what right. I think. You get a bag I of think, plot, hole, plot hole filler. Okay. I think much like all the, the crap in our house, the bowls of cereal, the pulp full orange juice, the, the apple juice that the kid spilled all over himself, the telephone, everything. That's all not necessarily imagined. It's kind of like in the sixth sense. Remember how like, um, uh, what's his face? The dead guy. He moves through his life, but he doesn't notice that he's not actually moving through his life. It's all like vignettes and pieces, and he mm. thinks he has objects, but they're things that he's making for himself. No, I feel I've like that's what it. this. You've never seen Sixth Sense? Is I got dead? I, I, I are you really messing with me? <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Fucking with you. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, I got I, honestly, him. I got him. Felt, I, I gave him goosebumps. I'm the one person who spoiled Sixth Sense for you. Thirty. I've been years dodging later. spoilers yeah. for twenty years, man. Been dodging them like Neo. <laughs> No, but no, not no. enough to watch to see the movie. You're just like, no, I just, I don't want to know what happens, but I don't want to watch it either. Does that make sense? No, <laughs> it absolutely does not. But, but no, I, I, feel like I think I think I got you. I think I got you. I'm just going. But, I think it's, it's good if we leave it at that. It's almost psychological. Like mm -hmm. she thinks she feels hot, so she feels hot. But she's like, oh wait, I'm a ghost. So she goes to the flames, gets Danny. Then she's like, but I need to hold them again. Grab him, pulls him. Gets him to the fire, forgets that he still feels pain. So I'm imagining she's just dragging him over. Right, her while numbers. he's screaming and on he's fire. Just like, ah! He's just like, it doesn't hurt, you big baby. Ah! Like, just the whole <laughs> I'm time. I'm a ghost. Uh, I'm touching you. You're you're basically a ghost by by she, contact. I'm going to assume she has the strength of both of the children and welcome to Dead House and just lifts him up over her head and just chucks him out the window because she's a ghost mm -hmm. and just like... But she wants to do kind of a cool... She doesn't want to walk through the wall because that doesn't necessarily play out well. So she does kind of a cool floaty vault through the window. If oh, can, I like you that. You can see what I'm doing. Yeah, so she's got her hand on the sill. She just does a nice uh -huh. little vault through. Lands in the grass silently, but slower than gravity. Would so she'd be like... Sure. She just kind of vaults and does a slow float. She's like, Danny, how you feeling? He's covered in burns. He's up hat. Dude, but, uh, he is so close to death. She drug him through a fire that only a ghost could walk through. As, as we do know, it's not actually burns that kills most people in fires. It's actually the smoke inhalation. It's actually the smoke. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but as she gets him out, the, uh, Spooked disappears. He vanishes into the flames themselves. And Danny turns to her. I guess he's like, thank you for saving me. And she's just like. And then everything turned bright. As bright as the wall of flames. And then everything went. Bum, bum, bum. Wow, that sounds like it's the end, but it isn't, because we have to know what happens to Danny. Well, of course, he's treated for his burns. He got a lot of them. He's treated for them and sent home. It seems like he was only in there a day. I was imagining more burns for Danny, but it seems like 
Maybe he wasn't even really trapped in that house and he was just sleeping on the floor. Sleeping on the floor near a match. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> anyway. We never uh, find out how much damage was done, by the way. Yeah. We like, don't. Did the house burn down? What we don't did even he do in that house. Did Chesney ever was he in there? Did he die in there? We don't know. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> uh so Danny's mom. Now here's an interesting thing. Danny's mom and Miss Quilty are talking to him while he's in bed. Which is an interesting thing for Mrs. Anderson to do because she's verifiably deaf. And it doesn't ever come up through this conversation she has. Uh, although it does say she turns to read lips at one point. There's a lot of conversation going on. So, anyway, take that for what it is. But they're talking to him and Mom asks Danny, like, Hey, dude, how did you get out of the house? Um... It was, it was super, super burny. She didn't say that, but uh, it was. It looked like it was uh, about to about to be a real serious deal. How'd you get out of there? And he says, "Oh, Hannah, the girl next door helped me." And Miss Quilty helps confirm with uh, Miss Anderson. She's like, "Yeah, no girl lives next door, especially not one named Hannah. Not anymore because Hannah used to, but uh, she died five years ago." Seems like Danny might need a little bit of rest. He might be a little a little burned out, you know what I'm saying? And Hannah is is in the room watching this go on. She uh witnessing this conversation. No one can see her somehow now, suddenly for some reason. Uh not even Danny. And uh to Hannah, the world starts to fade a little bit. Everyone starts turning gray. Kind of reminiscent of the old um invisible book that we went through everyone starts turning gray and Han- thinking about it Hannah's like well I reckon my family came back after five years just for me to save Danny and then she hears her mom's voice calling her home and I'm going to read here it says uh, she's like is that you mom Hannah called Time to come back, Mrs. Fairchild whispered. You must leave now, Hannah. It's time to come back. Uh, Okay, Mom. She gazed into the bedroom at Danny, lying peacefully on his pillow. He was fading away now, fading to gray. Hannah squinted into the solid grayness. The house, she knew, was fading. The earth was fading from her sight. Come back, Hannah, her mother whispered. Come back to us now. Hannah could feel herself floating now, and as she floated, she gazed down, her last look at earth. I can see him, Mom, she said excitedly, brushing the tears off her cheeks. I can see Danny in his room, but the light is getting faint, so faint. Hannah, come back, come back to us, her mother whispered, calling her home. Danny, remember me, Hannah cried as Danny's face appeared clearly in the misty gray. Could he hear her? Could he hear her calling to him? She hoped so. The end. Boom. Boom. Just got bumped. Just got bump, 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 bump. We just got bumped. Got bumped. We got bumped. For the audience at home, that was live. That was not a recording. Yeah, that was that was live. That was a real. That was a real rap. That was a real rap. <laughs> when you say it like that, it becomes substantially less real rap. <laughs> uh, gonna, um, yeah, that's I kind of spoiled it a little bit. What I I already thought of of of. of what do you you think? <laughs> Um, okay, so I think this was one of the more interesting stories, just uh, the fact that 
I mean, the way it was written, the third person thing uh, was disjointed in a way. Uh, it was kind of confusing a lot of the time, uh, but it wasn't ever really scary to me. I was puzzled. And then at the end, it's a heart. It's a tearjerker more than it is scary. It's 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 a different kind of flavor of a book. Uh, as a Goosebumps book, I don't know. I liked it. I didn't love it, uh, but I appreciate it. I'm going to land on. I'm going to land on four thocks against a garage wall out of seven, which is to say, I definitely liked it. But it's not, it's not spooky. It's not, it wouldn't be something I would gravitate toward because it made me feel. It made me sad. Which is okay. But being sad is not fun. I'm, I'm going to say this is still one of my favorites. This is, this is kind of like what I was talking about with, uh, um, I will get, I will start remembering the names of these books at some point. The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. I feel like I keep I keep harping on the fact that I feel like the Curse of the Mummy's Tomb was in a interestingly written goosebumps because of how dense the narrative was. This one also has a very dense narrative, although it does a better job of being fun to read. Not fun to read, but good to read. It's good to read it. And I agree it's more sad and heartbreaking in places yeah. than the other bumps. But it's a like, real old yeller. For oh god, don't see for me it was uh, where the red ferns grow. I was going to say or a red fern grows. Yeah, when I watched when I watched that movie, I was I had melted into tears. I was eight or nine when I watched that movie. That movie destroyed me as a child. Oh, wait, do uh, the dogs die in that one? I'm not read. I'm not seen it. I'm you just don't I'm don't make it. me relive this again. I'm doing it again. I'm doing one of them. One of them dies from being sad. Travis. One of the dogs dies from being. That's sad. how I felt reading this book. I wanted to die. Because it well, was so sad. For me, horror is not just about being scared. It's about being facing these situations that are uncomfortable for us. And sometimes that's about facing death. So the fact that it's sadder more than scary doesn't... deter me from saying this is a good good bumper i guess this is yeah. this, it's a different type of bumper but it's I, I, I feel like it's a very good bumper. um i think, I think you're right too it's it's not a lot like his other this this was not funny ever i feel like there was never a point in there where it was just like it was chucklicious um yeah if it, it was a little prickly i'm also just i think i detracted some points just because i didn't understand uh some of the rules about her ghostliness is a little all over the place not that that yeah, it's I, such I'm, a big deal. I, but I would, when I can start, when I when I start focusing more on like, but but wait a minute, she did this and that. And I start to kind of lose it a little bit. But yeah, I think four and seven is still a good with, bumper. Yeah, I feel I feel like too. Like for me, it is. It's uh, I'm willing to go with like, oh, it's it's her her emotional well being is how kind of the ghostness works, or her her thought pro Like if she's thinking she's a person, she's gonna like, oh, get hit by a door and hurt hurt herself. Mm -hmm. uh, but never talk about that injury again. If you notice, like she was never like, "Oh, my arm still hurts from wherever." She, I feel like she forgot that her arm was supposed to hurt. Her. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, so I, I'm willing to. I'm kind of glad he didn't explain the rules more than he did because if he had started, he like, would have given it away rules, earlier. Oh my god, yeah. Or yeah, like 
the the little chapter or the section where she was just like, oh, um, you know, time f- floats for you as a ghost. Like, that's why. Like, that's fine. Like, a, a quick paragraph and we're, we're moving on pretty much. But yeah, I, I would give this... What would I give it? I would give it... I would just give it one big spooked. You know, just a big friendly ghost that wants to take you to places and show you stuff. Like, maybe maybe you don't want to see his grandmother, but, like, he means well. It's he does. Spooked. Yeah, he wants. Spooked. He just wants a hug, but he knows he's scary and can't give him, and that's sad. When too. I get when I get my spooked tattoo straight off the Dutch cover, <laughs> I want us to remember this moment. Get you a big Dutch spooked. Being a very dark moment. Yeah, I love. I love spooked. Uh, well, here's some trivia. It's uh, this does happen to be one of the few. Now, I think we had another one that was written in third person. This is one of the few written in third person, and I believe this might be the last one that's written in third person. If I read the trivia right. Um, it was kind of phased out right. as, season, as the series continued. Uh, this is one of the few said to be without a twist ending, which is interesting that they would put it that way. Uh, and we're pulling this off the fandom site, so I guess... I guess in the sense that it doesn't, you know, like how like some of them end with like, oh no, the mummies are walking in. Exactly. Like, I feel like there's a couple more that didn't have... I like I mean, dad's I a plant. Say one of the few, yeah. Um... And R.L. Stein admits, and we don't need him to because we know, but he admits, yeah, this is one of the saddest books he ever wrote, which is good. This that is, means I don't have to, I don't have to cry again for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any other like sad moments in these books. To be honest, I, I didn't even know if this one was going to be. I was kind of like, oh, I remember that. You know, he obviously he kills the kids before the book starts. Technically, I mean, we do see her last moment on Earth being burned alive inside of her bedroom. Uh, that's not a dream. That's her last memory before she dies. Like yes, uh, and she was the one that killed everyone because she didn't put a campfire out. Let, oh, let's, listen, let's not blame the kids on this one. If you're the parents in this situation, you need to check and make sure they put out a fire, right? Like, what you if you didn't know they like, did oh, it? They set what? a fire beside outside. No, these are either the worst parents on the planet or just slightly bad parents. And I'm gonna say that they're slightly bad parents if they didn't check the fire. Well, but now okay, they're dead. They all paid for it. Yeah, they're all dead. So it's it's not like it's like it's not like the guilty party didn't get punished in this. If you want to call a twelve year old girl a guilty party to not stamping out a fire, she probably suffocated. She didn't burn alive, so she just choked. That's to death fair. In her in her own bedroom. That's alone. fair. Her, well, her, her 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 resigning feeling is being alone all the time now because she died alone and she's by herself alone forever. Yeah, for yeah. eternity. Trying. You're making it worse. She's twelve. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I know. That's I am doing that on purpose. I'm trying to make you as extremely sad as we close this out. You know. Yeah. You know what I'm really sad about though, more than anything, that we're ending the first season. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed reading these. It's been fun hashing them out with you. I always I love hearing. You know, they're simple books for kids, but there we've proven every episode there are fun ways to fill in some of the gaps, and I think it's always a fun discussion. So this has turned out much better than I thought it would. I'm happy that you played along. Thank you, Dylan. Are you talking about this book or the The season? The podcast. I think it's been great. Oh, boy. It's always upsetting to me when you're like, I'm surprised that we pulled this podcast off. It's like, you've done seven of these. Why were you worried about this one? I'm worried about all of them. They're all all on the border of being written off. But, you know... What I was thinking, Dylan, and we haven't talked this over yet, but what I think might be a good, because we, you know, we're going to do these in seasons, but we might fill the space between with uh, an episode here or there, maybe dig into some of the offshoots, maybe the, 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 the shows. I think what might be fun to follow this up with at some point, ranking 
those top ten. I know we gave them ratings, uh, but ranking the the first ten, uh, maybe going through and discussing that could be a fun um, episode as well. After reading all ten of them, too, I'm sure some of our opinions have changed on some of the earlier ones, too. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's what I think would be an exciting discussion. We don't have to remember all the details, but it might be fun. Um, But I think that's going to wrap it up. So we want to thank everyone who joined the ride for the first ten episodes here. Eleven, if you count that intro. We're going to be back in a couple of of weeks, few weeks, months, maybe even. But we'll come back uh, gung-ho. We're going to take you through books 11 through 20, and you're going to love every second of it. we got more Monster Blood in that block. I think we've got another Slappy and Mr. Wood in that block. So uh, we're going to have a good time. I'm very excited. How many more? How many more? We only have 52 more books to go. 52 more episodes. Only 50? Not counting counting the other ones, though. Because we're not just doing... No, we're going to go through Fear Street. Then we're going to go through all the Mary Higgins Clark... Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I was talking about, like, <laughs> listen, like, choose your own goosebumps and those those bumpers, not, like, just yeah. the main line. You're already running off to, then we're going to do uh, the Christopher Pike series, and then it's like, <laughs> no. Whoa, 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 uh, We do have to do We Got Hospital. Oh, we do. Yeah, that is, we said that on air. We have to do it, otherwise someone will take our idea and do their own general hospital. I bet you. Uh, the first thing I wanted to do is see how many cleverly named General Hospital podcasts there are. And if there aren't many, we are going to do one. <laughs> I definitely have time to watch a ton of soaps. Let me tell you about that. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's not true. But you know what, Travis? Because yeah. for some reason, we're taking forever to get to this point. If you'd like to tell us your mm-hmm. top 10 favorite Goosebumps books, I'm not saying we'll read it on air. But, you know, if you wanted to say that to us or... Give us your opinions or tell us that our audio is weird. <clears throat> uh, you can email us at we got goosebumps podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is we got goosebumps podcast at gmail.com. Almost as long as an email itself. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter at say cheese and pod, which is yeah. semi active. Yeah. Yeah. And Hit us up cheese, on this. Say cheese and pod on Twitter, which is still around as of this recording. Twitter is, yes, yes. And uh, yes, yes, yes. We just set, we'll set up that Mastodon soon. Uh, but yeah, uh, reach out, <laughs> contact us. Uh, be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to these gosh dang things. And if you'd like to, you can support the show on Patreon. It supports the whole network, the Polymedia Network. we got a lot of shows over there. If you like video games, if you like movies, uh, if you just like hanging out, drinking, all this other stuff, indie games, we got all that stuff covered over there. So check out the Patreon. And uh, Dylan, again, we'll be back in a couple of months for this one, but you know, here's what folks have waiting for them. This is going to be the we're going to lead them into the first episode of the second season right now. Oh, and this is this is a good one. This is one of my, my childhood favorites too, so I'm excited for the beginning of season two. How ugly is Carly Beth's Halloween mask? It's so ugly that it almost scared her little brother to death. So terrifying that even her friends are totally freaked out by it. It's the best Halloween mask ever. It's everything Carly Beth hoped it would be. And more. Maybe too much more. Because Halloween is almost over. And Carly Beth is still wearing that special mask. <laughs> <laughs>